best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Now to a court hearing in Atlanta that could threaten the future of Georgia's election interference case against former President Donald Trump. Fulton District Attorney Fonnie Willis, the prosecutor overseeing the case, fiercely denied that a personal romance with the colleague presented a conflict of interest. It is is a lie. It is a lie. In an intense hearing. Don't be cute with me and then think that you're not going to get an answer. The tables were turned on Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who took the stand for the first time in the same courtroom where she typically prosecutes defendants. So I would ask you to not yell at me. With several of the co-defendants in the 2020 election interference case looking on and former President Trump weighing in on social media, Willis defended her personal relationship with Nathan Wade, a special prosecutor on her team think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. The hearing was prompted by a complaint from co-defendant Michael Roman. A former Trump official, his attorneys, plus another representing Trump, want Willis removed from the case because they say the relationship shows a financial conflict of interest. Willis denied being in a relationship with Wade before he was hired to join the team investigating Trump in November 2021. The attorneys allege Willis personally benefited from her involvement with Wade and was paid more than $650,000 by Willis's office as the pair took lavish trips to California, Florida, and the Caribbean. Willis insisted she reimbursed Wade for the trips. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion, which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Willis is expected to testify again if a judge determines that there was a conflict or any wrongdoing. Willis and Wade could be disqualified from the 2020 election case, or it could be moved to another judge jurisdiction, which could further delay the proceedings. We are learning new details about what led to that mass shooting that turned the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade from celebration to carnage. Police say it was not terrorism, but an argument between several people that resulted in an outburst of gunfire. The two people taken into custody are teenagers. Criminal charges are expected. One person was killed and 22 others injured, and two of them remain in critical condition. Police are also want to speak with people who were in the area about what they saw, and they're asking to see any cell phone video from the rally. Everything that I've heard and read, even from legal scholars, said there is absolutely no case here. It's not a crime. Uh, this is not a crime. And when you look at what's going on outside of the streets, where violent crime is at an all-time high, uh, I think it's a very, very, it's a great double standard. The other thing, this case could have been brought three years ago. There is no case. They decided not to bring it. District Attorney Bragg didn't want to bring it. He said he doesn't want to bring this case. But it's not a crime. We're here for something that is not a crime. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. What it is is election interference. It's being run by Joe Biden's White House. His top person was placed here in order to make sure everything goes right. This is a this is a terrible time for our country. This is a real dark period for our country. One year too late, President Biden is finally traveling to East Palestine, Ohio. This week, one year after a Norfolk Southern train derailed there, spilling a slew of hazardous chemicals into the surrounding environment. 
The White House said this weekend that the president will travel there to ensure that state and local officials hold Norfolk Southern accountable. These Palestine residents are still feeling the effects of the contamination one year after the spill. I just want to say, so, you know, everybody says that you're the king of the Jews now, right? Which I'm, I'm so amazingly proud of you for everything that you're doing with that. But, you know, you're really the king of the everyday people, like like me, like Bentley's family. And, and the amount of people that you bring together and the things that you make happen, even when you're not even really trying to make them happen, is just such a beautiful thing. Um, through this show and, and the message that you get out there and the fact that you let everyday people like me come on and tell our truth is just an amazing thing. And I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm, I'm so honored to be your friend and thank you for everything that you do. Fanny Willis, what a disgusting, repulsive, racist asshole she is. <laughs> I said all that, you're right. We'll get to her. We'll get to Trump and Biden and Kansas City. All that stuff, but this is Elton John and Dua Lipa. In fact, of course, to Victims Rights New York, Jennifer Harrison, for those kind words during her conversation on this show yesterday. Thank you, Jenny. I love this song. This, You know, I used to uh, do this class with my beautiful wife, Danielle. It's called the Mile High Club. It has nothing to do with having sex in an airplane 36,000 feet above the ground. They're, they're all over New York City, and they have these uh, their treadmill classes, you know. And uh, they get you running at all kinds of speeds and inclines, and for about an hour, they beat the living daylights out of you. So when I lived in the city, we used to go all the time, me and Danielle. Upper West Side, there's one in Nomad. And there was a, a trainer, his name was Ned Trim. Very, very good, very good, sweet guy. And he would always start his class by playing that song, Elton John and Dua Lipa remaking Elton John's classic, Cold Cold Heart. The reason why it's a story today is, and I'm not sure if you know about this, Lewin Noam, but there's a uh, these two very popular Israeli rappers, very popular, and they've got a rap song right now that I believe is the number one song in Israel. Did you know that, Noam? I'd heard something about this, yeah. <laughs> well, in the song, this is unbelievable, folks. In the song, 
they actually say this. The song's in Hebrew, but translating to English, the very last verse reads this. Every dog gets what he deserves in the end. Bella Hadid, Dua Lipa, and of course the porn star Mia Khalifa. Every dog gets what he deserves in the end. All IDF units are coming to do Harbu Darbu on their head. Now, I don't know what Harbu Darbu means. That's the name of the song. But I can tell you this. The translation basically is these rappers are asking for the murders of Hadid, Lupa, and Khalifa. Now, look, let me go on record and say this. I have no patience You've been listening to me since October the 7th. This is nothing new. I have no patience for anyone who sympathizes with the Palestinians, not just Hamas, the Palestinians, because I don't believe they're innocent. But, but I do draw the line (laughs) at singing songs asking for the murder of these people who are, in fact, pro-Palestinian. Is that fair, Noam? I think that's fair. Right. I don't want to hear it. You're pro-Palestinian to me. You're garbage. I want nothing to do with you. But I wouldn't write a song necessarily about murdering some of these folks. Although Mia Khalifa, if you don't know who she is, she's a major, major porn star. She's out of the business now, but her videos are still up on YouPorn, on XNXX. And she was the one who actually on her phone said on October the 7th while she was watching Watching Hamas live, raping and murdering, she said to the freedom fighters, as she described them, not murderers, not animals, freedom fighters, can you please turn your phones horizontally so we can see better footage? You remember that, Noam? I I did not know. That's the first time I've heard that. You believe that? Uh, I mean, it's pretty shocking, yeah. Shocking. So stop watching her movies, uh, no. <laughs> Damn. So anyway, if you missed, uh, if you missed it, I should say if you've never heard it, here's what, uh, it's in Hebrew, obviously, but I think it's a great song. This is Harbu Darbu, the number one song in Israel, where these two Israeli rappers say, we're coming, we're coming to get you. We're in Tel Aviv. Our fighters are everywhere. Go get Bella Hadid. Go get Dua Lipa. Go get Mia Khalifa. Give me about a minute of this, Lewis. Fire away. Good song. You like it? No. I do like it. Let's get, uh, we, we isolated for you, Lewis, the part where they said every dog gets what he deserves in the end. Bella Hadid, who I believe is dating actor Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper went from Huma Aberdeen, who these days is banging Alex Soros. Man, she's grotesque. 
Anthony Weiner. Bella Hadid, Dua Lipa, Mia Khalifa. We isolated that part, Lewis. Good, you can play that. Hadid, Lipa, Khalifa. <laughs> These uh, two Israeli rappers want all three of those women dead. So there you have it. Uh, but let's get to the other uh, big story, Fanny Willis, who uh, I did watch a lot of that yesterday. It was riveting. She is one nasty biatch, man. She really is self-entitled, you know, don't you yell at me. Don't you talk to me like that. Damn it. I'm a powerful black woman. She made me nauseous. She did admit in court to having sex with Wade, but that was about all she admitted to. So I'll play a couple of these, and then we'll get the latest from Noam. This is uh, Fannie Willis, Fulton County DA in Georgia, who should be removed from this case today. Today, this should be over. She clearly is lying. She took advantage, money, sex, vacations. She got to go. And then they need to re-examine exactly why her and this guy were at the White House as often as they were. Penny Willis Lewis, cut number one. He is the one that would book the travel, but we need to be clear when we're talking about just because he booked it doesn't mean, like, I don't consider him having taken me anyplace. Let me just be honest. The only one that's ever taken somebody someplace is for his 50th birthday. I consider that I took him to Belize. And I took him to Belize because, um, you know, I don't want to discuss his personal business, but I'm happy Mr. Wade is still here with us. And I did 50 big, very big. So then she goes berserk, this Fonnie Willis. It got so bad, the judge had to ask for a five-minute recess. During this, one of a couple Fonnie Willis meltdowns. Lewis, this is cut number two. Has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear, because you lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in. Right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. no. This is the truth. Judge, and this it, is it, a, it is a lie. It is a lie. Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. Yeah, shut up, stupid. Then she says, I paid him back. Well, I'm going to pay him back. I paid him cash. I mean, it was just lie after lie after lie. Fanny Willis, Lewis, cut number three. Did you ever pay him anything other than cash? I've only given him cash a few times in, in the course of what we're talking about. So you've if we would go to dinner, let, him, let her finish her answer. If we would go to dinner, I wouldn't give him cash because he paid for dinner or I paid for dinner. I've given him cash only a few times in life, probably four. Probably the most money I've ever handed him is $2,500, the least amount of money I've handed him. Probably between five hundred and a thousand dollars. Lying scum. You never wrote him a check, ma'am. I don't have checks. <laughs> I mean, just I'm horrible. Now, doesn't she owe this guy? I guess like six hundred and fifty thousand. Is that the number? That that's what he's getting paid for being part yeah. of this case. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay, she doesn't owe him that. No, no, no. That would be that would right. be you know Atlanta DA's office. Right. Well, he uh, spoke to this loser, the both lowlifes, Nathan Wade, and uh, he said um, he never went to her house to have sex. It was only the condos. I don't know. Nathan Wade, Lewis, cut number five. 
Isn't it true that you would go to Miss Willis's house in South Fulton County I've, I've occasionally? Never, I've never gone to her house in South Fulton County. You've never gone to her house in South. I've Fulton never County. seen her house. The first time I even heard the address of that house was when um, one of the individuals in the, uh, the election fraud case somehow doxed it and mm -hmm. it got out. That was the first time I'd even yeah. seen that address. Um, but you would go to the East Point condo, correct? What East Point condo? In East Point, Hapeville, something like that. I've, I've never been to East Point with Miss Willis. You've never gone to you've never gone to a condo in either the East Point or Hapeville area with Miss Willis. Wait, that's different. <laughs> I have gone to a condo oh. in Hapeville. Okay, got it. So Hapeville. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So you have gone to a condo with Miss Willis in Hapeville. I have. Have you spent the night there? Never. Never spent the night. There. <laughs> never. He sounds believable. One more. <laughs> They're talking about, oh, what a coincidence. You just happened to file for divorce, Nathan Wade, the same day Fonnie Willis gave you a job. What a coincidence. Nathan Wade, this lying son of a bitch. Cut number eight. Why you waited until November 2nd, the day after you were hired by Miss Willis, to file for divorce? I, I can't. Okay. So, uh, again, Joycelyn had relocated to Texas, and she had been in Texas for months. She was only here for a brief period of time to drive my daughter's car back with her. And when she came here to do that, I was able to then get her served. Okay, so your answer as to why you waited until the day after you were hired by Ms. Willis, on, which would be November 1st, 2021, to file the complaint for the divorce on November 2nd, 2021, your testimony under oath is because your she was wife here. was here. Was here. All right, so there you have it. So I believe, uh, Noam, that Fanny is uh, back on the stand today. We can only hope. <laughs> After yesterday that she's back on the stand today because it was awfully entertaining. <laughs> it is entertaining, but on a serious note, what President Trump, who talked, you heard him talking uh, just before he went into court in New York City yesterday. What he's going through is absolutely unfair, almost unconstitutional, certainly unbelievable. And while Fanny and Nathan Wade are providing us with great entertainment, the truth is they're bad people. They're bad people. And there needs to be some repercussions for them stealing and lying and all the things they've done in an effort to hammer Trump, no? Yeah, well, look, uh, he, you know, this Wade guy had never uh, prosecuted a felony case before. And here he is getting $650,000 and maybe the most important case ever gone through this court system. And their relationship goes back to 2019. So clearly... And just a lot of things didn't sort of ring true, whether they are or not. I don't know, but well, they lied. That, he, that he was she was paying him large sums of cash for these vacations and she had no receipt of it. And, and look, when you owe people money now, right, more times than not, you pay them through one of the apps, Venmo or something like that. There's got to be copies of transactions that have happened. I mean, I can't imagine people go to with large uh, bags of cash to pay for vacations. It just doesn't happen that way. 
So, uh, my guess is, if I had to guess, that this, they will both go away, but this case may not go away for Donald Trump. Oh, that's true. The case may not go away, although Rudy Giuliani, uh, again on the show this week, seems confident it could go away. But uh, most of the folks I talk to, and the judge will say the same thing later on this morning, and probably Takapina as well, that the case will not go away. Let's go to Kansas City. They've got uh, two teens in custody. Again, one dead, 22 injured. Just a horrific day. Right after all the Kansas City Chief players spoke after winning their second consecutive Super Bowl. You know, a lot of folks yesterday were reaching out to me uh, questioning what was going on. Why didn't we get more details? They've got the shooters in custody. They've got them. Why aren't they providing details, race, color, all these things? And, you know, I don't get uh, caught up in all that conspiracy stuff right away. I don't. I need some time. But they were right. We didn't learn much about it. Still don't know much about it. But you seem to think that's more about the size of the police force in Kansas City than them necessarily hiding any information, yes? Yeah, you know, this we think because we're so used to the NYPD, you know, summing up and putting these cases together so quickly because they're so good at what they do. And that's not to suggest that the Kansas City Police Department is not good at what they do as well, but they don't have the same sort of resources that we have here in New York. So it just takes a little bit longer to put the case together. But, you know, they essentially know what happened. It's these two teenagers that got into some sort of fight and started shooting at each other. And that's what started this whole thing. That's it. Just two local teenagers yeah. got in a fight and started shooting at each other. Yeah, they don't think there's a whole lot more to it. Yeah. If that's the case, it's it's even worse. It is. You, know I mean? you think about, you know, there's like a dozen kids injured. You had yeah. a woman who lost her life, the DJ. Terrible. Yeah. You know, I've been saying for a long time now, and Steve Bannon gave me a whole bunch of credit for saying this a couple of weeks ago. While everybody has said, and they're wrong, they're factually incorrect, that Donald Trump started to garner this amazing support when he started getting indicted while you can't argue that the indictments absolutely have been great for trump it did not start there you've been listening to the show for quite some time no man lewis what have i been saying for almost a year now what did i say where did it all start to go right for trump the train derailment in, um, why am I blanking on the name of the town? East Palestine. East Palestine. Exactly right. I said way back when, when Joe Biden decided to go to Ukraine and was taking pictures with Zelensky in the Ukraine, Donald Trump went to East Palestine, Ohio, when those chemical toxins from that train derailment were still just, I believe, a couple of weeks old. I mean, it was still very dangerous. People were sick and getting diagnosed with cancers very, very quickly. And Donald Trump went there. He actually bought McDonald's for everybody, handed out water for everybody, and showed without a doubt what he did for four years, which was put America first. And I made the point right then and there, before the indictments, look out, Donald Trump is back. And if you really trace it back to where he started to gain all this momentum, that's where it started. He was there right away. Do you know this president is actually going there where Trump went a year ago for the first time ever today? What good is Joe Biden going there today? I only hope, and I know these people are desperate. A lot of them are still very, very sick. They need money. They need aid. They can use the government's help. But I only hope that a bunch of these people boo the daylights out of Joe Biden when he gets there for waiting a year 
Donald Trump did this a year ago, and President Biden is going there today? Come on, no. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know that you'll see him walk through the crowds in the neighborhoods like you did the former president last year. So you may not get those boos because those conversations that he has with the neighbors and stuff will probably be behind closed doors. Yeah, you're probably right. He's a wussy anyway. All right, so we've uh, set up the show pretty good. we got a great guest list again about to come your way. Dove Hiking, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Peter King, Joe Tacopina, and I'm hoping my buddy Brian Kenny from the MLB Network can stop by and give us a preview of the Mets and the Yankees. So a very diverse Friday morning sitting friends in the morning show. Get ready to kick this off, baby. Sitting friends in the morning with Elton John, only right here. Talk Radio 77, WABC. I miss my wife. It's lonely out of space. On such a timeless flight. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Well, when you're sitting there in your silk poster chair, talking to some rich
Sweet Blue, Big Blue Rosino, 6.33 on your Friday morning. Every now and then I put up a video, you know, before the, the show. It's about three out of the five days a week, and I put it on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. That's how you can follow me, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Although these days my account is private, and I'll tell you why momentarily. You can follow me on Facebook, too, Sid Rosenberg. And I make the video, and this is going to sound really arrogant, I know that, but I go back and watch it, talk about the guests coming on today and some other things, you know. And then I marvel at how good I look. I just, I know that sounds arrogant, uh, no. But especially today, Lou already, more than once, with my gray Vin sweater, showing off uh, my new and improved body, I've lost weight, and I look very uh, toned and muscular today. Lou has already hit on me more than once. Really? Yeah. That's, the number is exaggerated, of course, not more than once. So <laughs> it was only that's once? the first thing. You did, you, but you did compliment me. Uh, right maybe away. it was twice. Yeah. Okay. There you and go. Thank and you. And I don't think it's arrogant either. You it know, is arrogant. No. Why would you, I? I'll quote the great Bernard McGurk: "Descriptive, not pejorative." He did say that. Yes. You know. You know. Funny you mentioned Bernie. I spoke to Carol yesterday. So the great Bernard McGurk. I knew about this for about a month, but uh, Carol texted me yesterday, and uh, let me tell you why. So it turns out, uh, Lou and uh, Noam. That Brendan, Bernie's son, and Melanie, his daughter, their grammar school, which is Long Beach Catholic, has a crystal ball every year. And uh, the crystal ball is uh, like a, um, a big dinner, crystal ball. And this year they're honoring Bernard. They're also starting a scholarship in my man Bernie's name. It's coming up uh, March 23rd. And it's uh, in Island Park. And, of course, Danielle and I will be there. So you mentioned Bernie, and I spoke to his beautiful wife, Carol, just yesterday. And great job by the, uh, the, the grammar school, Long Beach Catholic, for honoring my man, Bernard. So I, uh, I put the video up, and I uh, do look great this morning. But it's private now. And it's private because I have been getting since I've returned from Israel, some death threats. I don't care. It, it means nothing to me. I think it's a joke. I actually wear it as a badge of honor. I must be doing something right if some loser who's about as dangerous as a five-year-old kid on the way to school this morning wakes up every day and hates me. But I did put it on uh, private because I just don't want to deal with the hate messages, and I don't want other people to see it, especially family members that follow me, because it does kind of freak them out. So just so you know, and again, I don't care. I can't tell you how many times I wish one of these punk, these punk-ass bitches would mess with me in the street so I could knock them out. I don't care. I'm never, ever, ever scared, nervous, intimidated, but uh, because my family gets upset, I was forced to go private on my Instagram. That's uh, quite unusual, actually, for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, what do you mean? This is leave it. Who can't? No. So anyway, that's uh, so. If you if you'll notice this morning, you can't just follow me. You must send a friend request. So now they have to be friends to be talking with you. 
Well, well, I have to accept the friend request. I, that's what, I know. That's so what I, mean. I can tell you right now, if you send me a friend request and you don't have a picture on your avatar, I delete it right away, right away. And there's got to be some description. So let me let me just say this. Uh, when I see an Israeli flag, for example, I accept it right away. So if you want to put hate on my page, doctor your page with Israeli flags, <laughs> and I'm going to accept you. <laughs> I'm giving it away right now. You'd make a good terrorist. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> Just lie. I'm pro-Israel. I'm a Zionist. Here's my Israeli flag. And then when I accept you, you can tell me I'm coming to kill you. you know? <laughs> How are we going to get these plans together? Let's get Rosenberg in here. Uh, he'll get us into the state capitol. Well, it's like another job, man. I mean, I know Eric Adams, the mayor, Came out a couple of days ago, and I kind of like this. He he's suing TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and all these uh, social media sites because kids literally kill themselves over this nonsense. They do. Again, I don't care, but kids really get freaked out, you know. And then you, you start to manage these things. It's it's really like a second job. I don't have the time or the patience. Yeah, but what are the chances that actually goes anywhere? These, you know, these, these platforms. You mean these threats? No, I'm talking about Adams' is, uh, Oh, that's not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So. But I still like the fact that he cares enough. Right, but, it, you know, people look, can look at it as kind of a waste of time. It's, is that how you're looking at it? Well, it's not going to go anywhere. So that's how you're looking at it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know that it's not going to go anywhere, by the way. I think, I, oh. think, I, I think a lot of yeah. people uh, agree with Mayor Adams, including Bill O'Reilly and Sid I, I agree with him, too. And it has becoming a part of uh, of the discussion. I agree with him, too. I just don't All right, well, it you have to bring it up to discuss it. I, I agree. Right? Yeah. Okay, so it may not go anywhere, but if you don't say anything about it, it's definitely not going to go anywhere. You got, you're right. You're right. Of course, I'm right, idiot. I'll just shut God. up. I'll just shut up. I'll go away. Jesus what, 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 Send him a friend request so you can see that's my great God. <laughs> just put an Israeli flag on there before yes. you do that. Why, do, why do you think it's not going anywhere? Why do I think it's going yeah. somewhere? Because you had Zuckerberg before Congress apologizing to the families for the ones, the families who had uh, lost loved ones, who some have committed suicide, other, you know, so he has that, they have that apology. They can go on that. Okay. All right. Traffic is uh, coming up next with Joe Nolan. Pete Morgan will be in studio for about an hour. Catch up with Mr. Peelers Borders himself. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day right ahead of Dove Hiking. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Pete. Get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby. Here, John and Rita talk with Greg Jarrett about Fonnie Willis. The other critical question is, did she benefit financially from the money she paid Wade, an exorbitant amount of money, when they took lavish vacations together, some of it on the taxpayer dime? Well, she insisted she always paid her fair share by reimbursing him. But here's the thing. She says she did it in cash. So we're talking about thousands of dollars which, of course, in cash, cannot be traced or corroborated. How very convenient. The whole thing is bizarre, and quite frankly, it doesn't pass the smell test. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellicott with your bottom of the hour sports update, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Pete's in attendance today. You've got to go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion tankless.com to find a deal near you. 
They're the world's best-built boilers on the ice at the Garden. Chris Kreider, he had a hattie last night. Adam Fox had four assists, and Jonathan Quick made 31 saves as the Rangers downed the Montreal Canadiens 7-4 to to match a season best with their sixth straight victory. Zibanejad added a goal and two assists for the Blue Shirts, who also got goals from Will Cooley, Vincent Trocek, and Capo Caco. Artemi Panarin added three assists. The Rangers, who equaled their season high for goals, scored four times in just over four minutes during the second period after Montreal took a one to nothing lead in the first. The Rangers are 7-1-1 one, and one in their last nine and undefeated in February coming out of the All-Star break. They lead the Metro Division by eight points, equaling a season high in Newark. The Devils couldn't get much going offensively against the LA Kings, losing a nail-biter 2-1 at home. Tyler Toffoli scored on a power play for New Jersey, which had one two in a row. Nico Dawes was outstanding in between the pipe despite the loss, making 27 state saves, I should say, including a couple of sensational glove stops in the first and second periods. It's All-Star Weekend coming up in the NBA, so there'll be no Knicks or Nets action until Thursday. If you're looking forward to any of the All-Star Weekend events, the Rising Stars Challenge is set for tonight at 9 p.m. before the Skills Challenge three-point contest and slam dunk competition take place Saturday night starting at 8 p.m. Sunday night will feature the classic East versus West matchup uh, set for an 8 p.m. tip-off. In a rare women's college basketball update, Iowa superstar Caitlin Clark broke the NCAA women's basketball scoring record last night. Clark now has 3,569 career points, 49 of them coming last night. She came into number four Iowa's game against Michigan with 3,520 points, needing eight to break the mark previously set by Washington's Kelsey Plum. And as we gear up for opening day in about a month and a half, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred told reporters yesterday that this will be his final term in office and he will retire when it expires in January 2029. Manfred, now 65, replaced Bud Selig as commissioner in January 2015 and has since been given two five-year terms. The owners voted in July to give him a third term. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Eddie waited till he finished high school. He went to Hollywood, got a tattoo. He met a girl out there with a tattoo too. The future was wide open. They moved into a place they both could at the door She had a guitar and she taught him some chords The sky was the limit Into the Petty, the late great Tom Petty, a rebel without a clue. Big guest list today was starting it off with my dear, dear friend Dove Hyken. Spent about four decades as one of the greatest assemblymen we've ever had in Brooklyn, of course, at um, 
Borough Park area. He has since moved to the five towns, and he made such a beautiful speech, and Justin was there to see it last Saturday night at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue when they honored me. But before we get to Dove, there is some breaking news out of Israel, which Dove may or may not know about because it just happened, and it's not good. Another terrorist attack in the South. One man dead, 20-year-old man, five injured. It's an active scene because the fear is, while they've got one terrorist in custody, there may be more. Justin, give me the uh, the details and the latest on this attack that happened at a place called Mazmaya Junction yeah. in the Southern District mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, because right now in Israel, it's seven hours ahead. Right. It's closer to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is just breaking another terrorist attack in Israel. Yeah, so it uh, happened around one thirty. so, you know, 25 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, 20-year-old man murdered and five people wounded in that uh, terrorist uh, shooting. And again, David Adom reported that uh, medical personnel treated five people who were seriously wounded in the shooting for serious... Uh, a bus stop. I mean, this yeah. guy, this uh, terrorist pulled up, just so you know, with Israeli plates. Mm-hmm. So no one thought twice about him. And he got out of the car and just started opening fire at a bus stop. Yep. People ran into a restaurant to run for cover. So, again, one dead, five injured. But the scarier part, you're telling me, Justin, is is uh, they seem pretty convinced that he's not the only terrorist that is in that area right now. Yeah, it's an ongoing situation. So they're basically running around the area looking for a, a second guy Jeez. who they think uh, might also reach Was he in the car? Did they see two people in the car? Why do they think there's a second guy? Uh, so, so, let's see. Shuli and I, witness, who works in a uh, restaurant, recounted people shouted, there's an attack, a mess started, people ran into the restaurant in panic. Right, but nothing about the possibility of, don't, uh, excuse me, Noam, do you know anything about this i have as much as justin has this is um a it's a traffic crossing actually that's yeah. right near ashdod not too far away and not not incredibly far away by the way from gaza but we don't know a whole lot more in terms of who these people are that we, we were shots. right there literally two weeks ago today two weeks ago today we yeah. were right there where this attack took place and i keep saying it to you folks you know think a lot of morons in this country think October 7th, something bad happened, and that's it. And you have no idea. There are still, still terrorist attacks on civilians. Remember, I was in Puerto Rico last month when they murdered a pregnant woman and a rabbi at a bus stop in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Today, uh, more people dead in the southern part. They're fighting in Judea and Samaria. The north is getting more and more rough every day. So right now, I hate to say this because I love the country. And I can't wait to go back. This is a tinderbox. Yeah. We, drew, we drove through this intersection. I know. Yeah. Right through it. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to uh, Dove Hike. And Dove, good morning. Sorry to bring you in with the latest news, but this is what's going on in Israel. These these terrorists will never let us live. That's why what BB is doing is the right thing. Good morning, Dove. Good morning, Sid. And uh, I am aware of the news. And, uh, you know, this is part of the history of Israel, you know, when I wake up every morning, the first thing I do is check what's going on in the world, what's going on in Israel, hoping that, uh, you know, that the headlines will be benign, no big deal, you know. And uh, this morning, you know, innocent people, civilians, that's what it's all about. It's about murdering Jews, and that's what really it is all about. It is hatred towards the Jewish people. And this is what's been going on since the birth of the state of Israel and there's only one way to deal with it, and that is the way Netanyahu is dealing. 
Uh, so but what do you, you know, we'll stop and, right there. Well, so, and I agree with you. And I know you listen to my program every day. I'm a fierce defender of Bibi. And I must tell you that one of the uh, few things that did bother me in Israel was the amount of people that aren't. You know, I understand the hostages, their parents are upset they want their kids back. I get all that. But to see them amass in Tel Aviv at a square and yell and scream what a bad guy Bibi is. And then, of course, you know what's happening here in the United States. The president called Bibi Netanyahu, quote, an effing bad guy just two weeks ago. And Hillary Clinton just last week said he's got to be removed. He's got to go. So a lot of people, my brother-in-law, Harry, was all over BB back on Thanksgiving Day. I don't get it. I mean, yes, yes, they got attacked. Israel's intelligence failed them on October the 7th. But you tell me, Dove, now that it's time to win the war, now that it's time to repay the Palestinians, Hamas, for what happened October the 7th, who better than BB Netanyahu? Look, I agree with you. And whatever issues there are with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, now is not the time to deal with it. The war will be over. Israel always has investigations after wars like this, after the Yom Kippur War, when things went wrong. That will happen. Now's not the time to deal with Bibi Netanyahu. He's a prime minister, and he's a strong prime minister, and he knows how to deal with the Biden administration. That is really in the process, Sid, in the process. I don't, I don't like to use words like appeasement relating to Biden. I hate using that word. Uh, we know about appeasement to Chamberlain in 1938 with Adolf Hitler, when Chamberlain came back at the meeting with Adolf Hitler and thought he was bringing peace to the world. He trusted Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler, he had a piece of paper in his hand with a signature with Adolf Hitler on it. We know what, you know, what that led to. Uh, and here we have a situation, even worse in a sense, because what the Biden administration is doing in pressuring Israel, they want Israel to stop. They want Israel to sort of, don't go into, into Rafah. That's where all the bad guys are. No, no, stop the war and let, let the bad guys win, because that's exactly what the result will be. And there's one reason, Sid, you and I, and come on, let, let's all be honest, Democrats, Republicans, let's be honest. There's one reason Biden and his administration, which, by the way, includes everyone, Hillary Clinton, the whole group, the whole group, the people on the left, the progressives, they are concerned about the elections. It's about selling out Israel yep. so that yep. Biden can win the freaking election. Oh, there's no that's doubt. About no, it. That's it. And by the way, uh, Biden also called Netanyahu an asshole last week on top of it. But you're right. You know, Biden is worried about Dearborn, Michigan and Minnesota, where the Somalians are, and uh, even spots in New York where you've got pro-Palestinians, where you've got Arabs, where you've got Israel haters, and all he cares about is the vote. And, and when you are a human being that almost is okay with a terrorist attack because you want to win a vote, that says to me you're not a very, very good person. And again, at the risk of sounding like a big-time cheerleader, I've been all over you and your beautiful wife, Shani, going back months ago about Donald Trump. I'm not a one-issue voter. 
But if you really look at it fairly, whether it's domestic issues, we had a great economy. Even now, Dove, inflation is much higher than it was under Donald Trump. Interest rates are much higher than it was under Donald Trump. Buying food much higher than it was under Donald Trump. So you know what? It's not just about Israel, where clearly Trump was the greatest president ever to that country Every aspect of life outside of some mean tweets and some bully behavior, we were all much better off in the United States and abroad when Donald Trump was president. He has to win again or we are dead. And you said that. You said that on Twitter just yesterday. Uh, Absolutely. Look, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a Trumpy. I don't like his behavior. And a lot of people don't. I mean, it really is a huge turn up to a hell of a lot of people and to a lot of people that we need in order to win the election. I'm talking about moderate Republicans. I'm talking about independents. But at the end of the day, there is no question now to me. There is no choice. There is no choice. It's very, very simple. I mean, uh, President Biden, you know, I don't know how long he's going to last. I don't know if he'll last through the year. I mean, watch him. Listen to him. It really is scary. You know, when I see him walking across the stage, I close my eyes because I'm hoping he gets to the other end where he's going. I mean, and then the things that come out of his mouth, it's like you see the confusion you see. And and that is scary. I mean, the world, you know, the by the way, the latest news, which is really tragic, is that Navalny was being held in prison in Russia was found out that he's dead. Dead at 47 years old, yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. This is a guy, by the way, this is one of my heroes, I got to tell you. This is a guy who they poisoned. He was on his deathbed. He was taken to Europe, and he ended up going back to Russia knowing that he was putting his life in jeopardy, and now he's dead. Dead. So and, the, wor- yeah. the world is out of control. Out of control. And, and, and by the way, and, and for, are so weak. Biden is a disaster, for God's sake. Right, and for all you folks, you idiots out there, that continue to try to push this narrative that Trump and and, uh, Putin are best friends, nothing could be further from the truth. What Trump does, which is brilliant, is he keeps his enemies closer than his friends. So if it means telling the truth, which is Putin is no dummy, that's the truth. He may be evil, but he's no dummy. That's all that Donald Trump has ever said. But you know what? Vladimir Putin didn't make a move when Donald Trump was president. He went into Crimea when Obama was president, then he attacked Ukraine when Biden was president. He did nothing when Trump was president. Neither did the the Taliban, neither did ISIS, neither did Hamas, okay? And yesterday, Putin came out, and who did he endorse? Joe Biden. You know why? Because the last thing he wants is President Trump back in office, because if Trump wins, the first phone call will be to Putin, and he will find a way to stop that war very, very quickly. Trust me, Dove Hyken. Yeah, yeah. Look, Putin is the smartest guy in the room, and he's a monster. He really, he's a monster. He is really, truly dangerous. And America needs strong leadership to deal with Russia, with China, with the Middle East. But, you know, I don't want to, you know, there's another thing that's very important. I mean, I want to talk for a minute, if you don't mind, Sid, about Saturday night at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, because that was a, that was an unbelievable night in recognizing your courage, your leadership uh, on, on not just the issue of Israel. And you have been in the front lines and you have been an example. 
of what it means to care, but not just care, but to do something about it. There's a big difference. A lot of people, you know, they care and then they go home and they go to sleep. I mean, you are out there and God bless you and people, you know, people who came down to see you packed, it was sold out. You know, I mean, the love shown towards you, Sid, is remarkable, absolutely beautiful. People love you. I got to tell you, they just love you. So it was a great, great night with great entertainment. And the recognition was just beautiful. And Shani and I, it was just, it was one of those special nights we will not forget. Uh, me too. Thank you. Joel Seidman did a very good job. You at the very top of the list of folks who spoke so well, said beautiful things about me, Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky as well. And the ambassador, he was uh, terrific, Erdan, and our friend Ina Vernikov was uh, terrific. And uh, it was great to have Rabbi Bloomstein there and his lovely wife Mimi. It was just, it was, you're right, even uh, the Stewie Honickman, I love him too. It was a great night. And uh, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget you and your beautiful wife for being there and all the kind things that you've said then. And I've said really uh, for the longest time about me and our relationship. And I love you to pieces, Dove Hiking. So hopefully this thing in Israel doesn't get any worse than it already is today. Again, another terrorist attack in the South. I'll be in touch with you. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. I love you. Thank you, sir. Shabbat Shalom and a beautiful weekend to everyone. You too. Shabbat Shalom to you. That is uh, Dove Hiking. And again, uh, that was a great conversation. Dove is always terrific and cover a bunch of issues, and he's always very sweet to me. But there is bad news coming out of Israel this morning. So we'll take our first break at the end of the 6 o'clock hour, busy 7 o'clock hour, about to come your way with Curtis Sliwa and Judge Andrew Napolitano live in studio. But first, Noam's got the news with the latest in Israel. Our number two, Friday morning with Sid. I'm coming right back. His leather jacket had chains that would jingle. They both met movie stars, partied and mingled. Their A&R man said, I don't hear a single. The future was wide open. Into the great wide open. Under the skies of blue. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. on your Friday morning before I get to uh, Curtis. Pete Morgan is in studio. He's got to go to Pennsylvania shortly. So, But he was in town last night because our hockey Rangers won their sixth consecutive game. They've now moved ahead 
of the Florida Panthers. Sole possession of the two spot, I believe, inside the Eastern Conference. I believe just one point behind Boston. I'm not sure if the Bruins played last night. So the Rangers are learning with the top seed in the East. They've had a great year. They got off to a tremendous start. They were like 16-4. and four. Then they had a rough stretch for about 20 games. And now they're back playing great hockey. So you saw seven goals last night. Yeah. How fun was that? Oh, it was a great night. Ryder had the hat trick, right? Hat trick. A lot of fun. Takapina was going crazy over there. Oh, he was there? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so it was fun. And Do you guys see each other inside the arena? You just text each other while you're in well, the arena? Well, we text, depending where I'm sitting. You go say hello to him? Or? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's in that, um, he gives us tickets in that yeah. section. Got yeah, free really nice. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. nice setup. <laughs> yeah. I was in there last week, and uh, it's a great setup. So what do you think about uh, making plans now? Mm. Peerless Boilers yeah. brings you sitting friends in the morning live from Super Bowl 59 in New Orleans, Louisiana. We've been talking about this for how many years? Years. You know, Florida, even, for God's sake. Well, so. you know, it's funny. I covered one Super Bowl from Florida. The guys that you met in my yeah. studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Z-Mac, Langev. Sure, sure. Great guys. And um, it was in New Orleans, and it was the Ravens and the 49ers. It was Joe Flacco beating Colin Kaepernick, and it was a blast. Had a great time. And that was the last time I was in New Orleans. But uh, it's almost eight, nine years ago already. Mm. So we uh, we need to do it again? Yeah. You ready to go? Absolutely. I mean, the Giants are not going to be there, bro. Easy now, certainly. Who's the quarterback for the Giants this year? Dan Jones. Oh, stop it. See, that's a big issue. When We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. Right. That's a big issue. What we do know is that you won't get in as much trouble in New Orleans as you would 20 years ago. Oh, that's, so that's a good thing. What, 20 years ago? Ten years well, ago. Well, true that. <laughs> I true that. Bailing your sorry ass out. Yeah. The, the highlight of that trip was actually we did the show from the conference center, and some unnamed NFL Hall of Famer went into the bathroom but didn't make it and actually made duty all over the bathroom floor. So the poor guy, the custodian, the, the ja- whatever you call that guy who had to clean up the bathroom, he had to uh, clean up the whole thing. Some NFL Hall of Famers duty all over the floor. So you have to understand, at that Super Bowl, I had Tim McGraw live on the air. I had um, all these incredible Hall of Fame football players. I had Montana. I even had Colin Coward live on the show. There you go. But my best guest of all that week was that guy, the bathroom custodian, who went on to explain to me (laughs) that not only you have to clean up the duty, but he said, and I quote, that the man left his his uh, uh what do you call that that underwear with the with the with the fruit on it oh his fruit, fruit in the loom yeah. fruit in the loom yeah. yeah yeah so he go I left his fruit on the loom underwear on the floor with the duty inside it oh my god <laughs> it was and Mark Eisenberg actually wrote a song about the whole thing which we used for years as kind of a uh, you know a, a comedy thing on the show and it was just unbelievable wow. You well, remember that, that whole thing with the whole bathroom I do, attendant? I do uh, a little bit. But, yeah, it's you know, great. Who wants to think about that? <laughs> you can see that out on the street in some of these neighborhoods here, right here. So, hey. Oh, let me let me pimp off that. Jacksonville, remember the Super Bowl? I was there for that. Eagles and Patriots. Right, right after 9-11. That was, uh, you know who I went to the Super Bowl for that? It was me and Matt Meany. I was doing the midday show with Jody McDonald at the fan the year before we brought Beningo in. It wasn't Matt Meany, Matt Deutsch. Not Matt Deutsch, excuse me, exactly. And that was a Super Bowl where uh, Donovan McNabb threw up, supposedly, in the fourth quarter, in the pissing off Terrell Owens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was also where you had to stay on ocean liners. They didn't have enough hotel That's rooms. right. And yeah. the turlets 
in the brand new stadium were backed up. That's yeah. true. Yeah. The Turlins. That's right. Brand new stadium. You know, that guy Khan yeah. owns the yeah. team, you know, with the mustache. Yes. My name is Khan. Very well, good. Well, the freaking Turlins work. That's true. No, this ain't coming back from another Super Bowl in Jacksonville <laughs> no, anytime soon. That, that was the only one. Uh, that is the uh, the great Curtis Sliwa, the icon, the legend, 45 years now, Guardian Angels. Does a great job on the Rip and Read. Noon every weekday afternoon, hosting overnight weekends, and a tremendous job with me every weekday. So I want you to know, I started the show. Hold on a second. Yeah. While we have Pete Morgan here. Yeah. You're talking Madison Square Garden, you, Joe Tacopina. Big story, New York Post today. Expect future weed sales there. Selling weed oh, no. at Madison Square Garden. Take care of your bud tender. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is going on? That's not good. Yeah. Really? It, what, like inside the... Exclusive story. The arena? In Madison Square Garden may be forced to sell weed. Oh, it's disgusting. By the state. When you it walk outside, disgusting. you get a contact high right out front of 7th it's, Avenue. It's, it's, it's purple haze. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't particularly care all that much, but I do think it's dangerous for the kids. I just think it's gross. If you want to smoke weed in your house, and I never liked marijuana, as you know, I was a cocaine guy, but um, I just think the it's everywhere. You know, two or three shops on every block, and now like Curtis is saying in the garden, that's that's a bit much. It's gross. Can you do me a favor? Sure. Can you tell your peeps to stop rapping? Yeah, no, I want to get to that because I started the show with Dua Lipa and Elton John. Uh, with that song, Cold, Cold Heart, the Elton John remake. And the reason why I started with that song was, was because I was made aware yesterday that these two Israeli rappers have the number one song in Israel, and it's great. And in the song, they actually ask for the murder. I understand that. Of, well, the, the audience may not know that. That's how it works, Kurt. Uh, Dua Lipa, Mia Khalifa. And Bella Hadid, they ask for the murder, so I'm going to play it. Then oh, you can go God. off. This rap Come sucks. on, give it to me, Lou. It sucks. Give it to me, Lou. Oh God. Give me the part. Just the, give me the part where they uh, talk about they want dead Khalifa, uh. Bella Hadid, and Dua Lipa. Get. You heard right there. First off, I don't understand Hebrew. Yeah. So put that aside. <laughs> rap sucks. There hasn't been good Jewish rap since the Beastie Boys. Uh, Wait a second. What about Matis Yahoo? No. no. Uh, we were at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue with Dove Hyken and so many honoring you last uh, Saturday night. They had a rapper up on the stage who was the absolute worst. Please. Who was the Kosher Dills? He talks gaudy. He said language. It's a predominantly orthodox uh, audience. Come on. The guy you haven't yet recognized is uh, a mini Jerry Seinfeld. We still haven't named the, the name of that comedian. 40 minutes, Pete. He was brilliant. This guy was riffing. You could tell it was not, uh, you know, it was like, right? How come you haven't mentioned his I name? I did. Well, I don't know his name. Oh, we got to do that. But he was great. Oh, my God. Just he was so good. Guy. Listen, I know Joel Seidman is listening because he just said, great job, Sid and Dove. So if you can send me the name, because Curtis is right. That comedian was far and away. And the other guys were good, too. Six, you were gone already. 613, that group. But the comedian was great. So you don't like that Israeli song. You don't like it. I just didn't like the rap. Come on, man. I don't understand Hebrew. <laughs> All right. But the point is, it's bad well, rap. Well, do, do what Justin is doing next week. This is a true story now, Curtis and Pete. Next week, Justin is starting. You ready for this? Hebrew lessons. 
Is that true, Justin? Yeah, it's true. Tuesday, I'm sorry. It doesn't do you any good in <laughs> Why New not? York. Why not? Yiddish, get a job in retail. You'll learn all the Yiddish you want to know. That's where I pick up all my Curtis, I have, I have Hebrew-speaking family members, so I can go out. I mean, and come I can... on. Nobody, no, nobody talks Hebrew here other than the Asid. <laughs> no, but, but what you need to know is more than once, Justin in, intimated to me while we're in Israel yes, yes. how much he loves Tel Aviv. That's where his aunt and uncle live. God bless him. And he loves Israel. Oh, God. I can see him with a black hat. Bang. Bang. <laughs> his future is not a Lubavitcher. Yeah. He's going to be a world-traveling missionary for for the uh, the Rebbe. Menachem Schneerson. As long as I'm at this station, Justin will be here. If and when that ever comes to an end, Justin will move to now, Israel. Now, let me flip the script. Yeah. Uh, Fanny... Willis. Yeah. SWA, Sister with Attitude. How do I know that? My first wife, as you know, was a black woman, Corinne Drayton. Oh, is that your first? Yes. I thought uh, Lisa was your first wife. No, no, no. I, uh, you lose count. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I lived in Brownsville for two years. Well, I was the only white guy there. This is 74 to 76. I was born in Hegeman. You know, the main thoughts. I'm from the Ville, never ran, never well. I was there for two years. <laughs> only white guy married. Let me tell you something. Brothers will tell you. Don't mess with the sisters. Mm-mm. SWA, sister with attitude. You better not pull no nonsense on them because they're all over you. You got a taste of that in the courtroom. It didn't matter that she was the prosecutor. She could have been a CEO. It didn't matter. Don't mess with the sisters because they will blast you. It doesn't matter where. In church, they'll blast you. They'll call you out. You got a little bit of flavor of that there, Sid Rosenberg. Let me say this to Fannie Willis, okay, and her don't you talk to me like that. Don't you yell at me. Ugh. F you, Fanny Willis. You self-entitled racist. And yes, there are too many black people today walking around still with a chip on their shoulder because if a white person was sitting where Fanny Willis would be sitting today, they'd be thrown off the case, if not thrown in prison. Come on. So I would tell that biatch to shut her you, big, fat, you, stupid you, mouth. You enjoyed that soap opera, that novella yesterday. Oh, no, right? I did enjoy it. great TV. No, it was, it was great yeah. TV, but she really is repulsive. Oh, she'll be off. She'll be off the case. Slow down. But, uh, are you now, sure about yeah, this? She'll be off the case. Well, how about throwing the case out? Well, oh. you know. You know they're not going to want to do that. But yeah. let's go to the bigger battle today. Nobody better turn their radio off. 8.15. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Peter King, my man, in the ring with Sid Rosenberg. You know, we talk about this Venezuelan gang that I've been warning you about, right? From day one, when I say Cardinal Dolan was down at the Port Authority building, you know, taking photographs August 2022 with Eric Adams welcoming them in. Remember I said... Hey, Cardinal, look at the guy's neck, the giraffe neck. He's got tattoos all over his neck. Some of the kids going to school have these tattoos of this Venezuelan gang. I was right about that. I was right about so much. I want to remind you that when MS-13 was a plague throughout Long Island, Nassau County and Suffolk County, uh, Central Islip, Brentwood, you know who stood with the guardian angels there? Peter King against him. You know who brought in Donald Trump and then Jeff Sessions, the uh, attorney general, to crack down on MS-13? Peter King. It's the same day that Rinse Out Previous got fired in D.C. and the president took Air Force One into Long Island and dealt with that mess because of Peter King. Don't forget that. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is all very beautiful, okay? But I... As, 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 maybe I'm just, maybe I've lost it, but. Well, remember, I've had a love-hate relationship with Peter King. No, 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 you've had a hate relationship outside of the last two days. 
And then even yesterday, you turned the script again and blamed Peter King for buddying up to Tom Swazi. So where was all no, this? No, no, no. I said Swazi was brilliant by putting Peter King on his <laughs> yeah. literature right, to say, right. I work in a bipartisan way. So why did it take almost 13 months for you to say something nice about Peter King? 13 Listen, months. I, I just wanted to do the preview here, the preliminary. I'm going to leave the main event to you. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave your radio. Listen, if you miss it for any reason, you got to get it on podcast. Peter King versus Sid Rosenberg, it's 815. Not, it's not versus me because I love Peter. Unlike you, I say nice things about Peter all the time. I didn't wait 13 months. Uh, I have been somewhat critical of the choice. It wasn't just Peter's choice. But you know what the real battle is? It ain't Pete versus Sid. It's going to turn into, you ready? Pete versus Vicky. And well, I'll tell you she's why. She's my friend, Vicky. Yeah, hold my off. You hold off. Hold off. Because I'm not going to play it now. I'm going to play it with Peter. All right. All right. But Vicky Paladino on this show yesterday placed the blame squarely on Cairo, King, and the whole Long Island all right. operation. All right. Look, you know she's my friend. I'll have a conversation with her. I love her, too. Her. But she did what she did. And I want to hear what Peter King says. But first, more important than all of that. All of that. We are in danger. You remember I warned you about Floyd Menefield. I warned you about this Venezuelan gang. This was August of 2022. The gang is here. They're operating. They have a pipeline down to Florida where they send all their stolen goods and credit card fraud, which they send to Lima in Peru, to Santiago in Chile, to Bogota in Colombia. This Venezuelan gang is sophisticated. We let them in. So what does Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb say? Well, we'll have the National Guard check to see if they have tattoos when they enter the Roosevelt Hotel. Too late. Should have been checked at the border. I said that back in August of 2022. Didn't I say that? You did say that. And now, the biggest fear of all. Listen to what the mayor said at his press conference about how he is not permitted to work with ICE. Well, we're not allowed to. Uh, city Council law uh, prevents us um, for using city resources uh, to coordinate with ICE around immigration issues, and we're going to follow, follow the law. Pete Morgan, Sid Rosenberg, our entire audience, there are two million terrorists on the watch list. Terrorists, people who want to do us harm. ICE has the list. The city of New York cannot plug into that computer. As good as New York City Police Department intel is, and it's very good, they cannot do it alone. They don't have the resources of ICE. ICE is a federal agency that was put into place after 9-11 to make sure it didn't happen again. And they risk their life each and every day. You know within this group that has come across the border, that has been welcomed in Andale, Andale, Catholic Charities, puts them on a bus, give them target gift certificates. We put them up in hotels. Many of them are from countries where there are active ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, and Hamas units. And they're right now, you know they're plotting, but they're not the ones loud and fighting cops. Remember the Al-Qaeda playbook was of Osama bin Laden, blend in. Smoke weed, drink, don't go to mosque, act like you're Americanized, fly under the radar screen. You know damn well they learned their lessons well. And some guy, uh, Ahmed, in some cave in Yemen or Afghanistan who lost family members, right, that we just annihilated, wants a blood feud, a revenge. And we let them all in. I want you to pay attention. We don't know who these people are. Eddie Caban, the police commissioner, last week said... 
don't know who these people are. We have no paperwork on them. We have no photos. There's no social net networking. Wake up, New York. They're going to hit us a third time. I was right about Floyd Bennett Field. I was right about this Venezuelan treacherous gang. Nobody listened. If you don't listen to me now, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, they're right here sitting this morning having their schmear on the bagel with bacon to make sure that they fly under the radar screen. It happened once in 92. It happened 9-11. And now they want to run the table on us. Don't say you didn't hear it from me. I'm your Nostradamus of WABC. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Sometimes late when things are real and people share the gift of gab between themselves. That waits among the shells But Oz never did give nothing to the tin man That he didn't, didn't already have And cause never was the reason for the evening Or the tropic of Sir Galahad Believe in me when I say I'm spinning round, 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 round. Smoke glass stain right cup. Image going down, 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 down. So absurd, green like bump. Now this is a great song right here, Tin Man by America on a sunny Friday. Shabbat Shalom, folks, 739. Talking about Shabbat Shalom, there was another terrorist attack in the south in Israel today at a bus stop. And Yehuda Hanikman just sent me the video, which uh, is graphic. There's blood all over the bus stop and a body in the back of the bus stop. Uh, last I was told, one dead, a bunch of seriously injured. And now they're saying that this attack looks more like ISIS. It has the earmarks of an ISIS attack than Hamas. This is what these poor Israelis are dealing with. Every day there are multiple terrorist groups walking around Israel they have to deal with. And uh, Noam Layden, give me the latest. What do you got? Yeah, this is a big bus stop that's in the northern Negev. So the terrorist drives up in a car, starts spraying the bus stop with bullets. A 20-year-old Israeli killed five others wounded, including a teenager. There was somebody at the scene who had a gun, a civilian, who took the terrorists out. And now uh, they don't think there's anybody else involved. I think it was just one person. Oh, so the terrorist is dead or they yeah. got him? Oh, he is dead. Yeah, he was shot and killed. And that's because an Israeli had a gun. Yeah. And what did I say, I don't know, a thousand times, Noam, when I was Israel uh, that week? 
that men and women, and you heard this too, Pete Morgan. Yep. You heard it a thousand times. Men and women, everybody I went to dinner with had a gun, and they know how to use it because they're trained in the Army, men and women at a very, very young age. So for folks who hate guns and want to get rid of the Second Amendment, uh, there are multiple examples uh, all over the world where if uh, somebody didn't have a gun, uh, then a lot more people would be dead, bottom line. So The, um, the gunman is dead. Uh, I believe that two or three of those people or seriously injured, do you know that? No, no. Don't know the conditions. I just know one of them's a teenager and the person killed just 20 years old. Uh, terrible. All right. We're going to get to uh, Judge Napolitano live in studio coming up next. We're still going to talk to uh, Peter King, Joseph Takapina, maybe some baseball with Brian Kenny, MLB Network and Showtime in the nine o'clock hour. Oy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Just another spot. I confess I ruined my life. Don't slip so tight. Oh my God! I smell like Pete Morgan. He has that great cologne. So we've had a uh, quite an hour and forty-five minutes already with Dove Hiking, Curtis Sliwa. On the aforementioned Pete Morgan, but joining me live in studio, as he does every Friday morning now before he does his big Newsmax hit, is uh, the great Judge Andrew Napolitano. Always looks very spippy, beautiful tie, beautiful jacket. You nice don't look so bad shirt. yourself with that tight, tight T-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. Thank you, Judge. How are you on this Friday morning? I'm pretty good. You yeah. know, the world the world's falling apart around us, foreign policy and domestic, but Personally, I am well. I'm healthy, and I'm always happy when I'm with you. Me too. You You're look, the king you of the great. Jews. How could I not be happy? Well, with Jennifer you? Harrison said uh, yesterday, I'm not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king of everybody. So, Well, you're the king of morning talk radio. Well, that I am. Yes, we thank know you that. for that. And thank some you. of your opposition are longtime friends of mine, but you do beat them. Well, thank you. <laughs> and part of the reason why I beat them, in all honesty, not that I'm not willing to give myself credit. Trust me, nobody pats themselves more in the back than I do. But it's people like you that come on every week and give this show an intense amount the of credit. Is captivating. Listen, I get here early in part so that I can hear Curtis. <laughs> he's great. You gotta oh, admit, he's great. Man, is he's he great. fabulous. And we, we did, we, we do cover a variety. Of, look, you were on IMUS for a long time. Oh, it's how we met. Right. And there's no question that as much as we couldn't stand IMUS most days, right. me, Bernie, Lou, all of us, really right. hated him, to be honest. There's no question that he had a tremendous influence on me, Stern, too. This show, uh, pretty much does what they do, which is right. whether it's politics or sports or entertainment, there's comedy. There's all kinds of stuff, and most shows today, to be honest, are just boring political talk right. where they mention the same thing for the hundredth time that day. There's one thing about you. You're not boring. <laughs> you are not boring. <laughs> Howard Stern. I met Howard Stern in the courtroom. Really? In my courtroom. When Howard Stern was a defendant tried for uh, disrupting somebody's business. He got on the air and he said, hey, everybody, tell me how to kill myself. And he threw out an 800 number. He just made it up. Oh, it, was a real, this. it was a real number. Yes. And this woman got 15,000 of the most disgusting <laughs> phone calls you could imagine. How do I know? Because as the judge, I had to listen to the tapes. Oh, my God. And then I ordered Trump to surrender his income tax returns to me because we had to know how wealthy he was. You mean Stern? Stern. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, he was furious at me, wanted to kill me. How about oh, now? He has, has, oh, so has he after that, over? fast forward, I leave the bench, I'm at Fox, CBS fires him, 
Ailes calls me and he throws a big document at me. I said, what the hell is this? He said, it's Howard Stern's contract. I want you to read it and go on air and tell me if CBS, CBS can fire him. It takes me two days to read it. I go on air and I go, CBS owes Howard Stern an effing fortune. <laughs> Oh. Then we become buddies, and we're buddies to this day. There you go. That's good stuff. Judge Napolitano. Buddies with Howard Stern, buddies with Sid Rosenberg, and buddies with Donald Trump, who's had uh, an yes. interesting couple of days. Let's start off in Georgia. Everybody was riveted. They thought it was great television. Fonnie Willis yesterday. But on a really serious note, while it was entertaining, she's a real lowlife. And this other guy that she's involved with, Nathan Wade, he's a real lowlife. And Trump and Giuliani and all these people's futures are up in the air over people like that. So while we found it entertaining, it's not really funny because they're playing a major role in ruining other people's lives. I could not agree with you more. Now, the last time I can recall, you'll remember this case. Uh, Imus and I talked about this in the old days. The last time I can recall the prosecutor on the stand was that Duke rape case. Yes. And those, the, the prosecutor's behavior was so reprehensible, the judge threw the case out before it even went to the jury. It is very, very rare that the prosecutor is on the witness stand being cross-examined by defense lawyers, but her judgment is terrible. However, I don't think it affects the quality of the case against Trump. I happen to think this case against Trump is garbage. But under Georgia law, she's going to bring it. If she leaves the case, whoever replaces her uh, is going to bring it. Well, the it. case may stick around, but you just said it. This case is garbage. We know the Alvin Bragg uh, case, uh, which uh, they're not going to, uh, they're going to continue with the trial starts. Uh, what is that trial start? Uh, March 25th. March that 25th. Trial, that right. trial, that's a surpriser. We thought that was a sleeper. That's going to be the first trial. But He's going to have to be in that courtroom right. four days a week for two months. Still garbage. And even the document case now, where we thought, oh, my God, how can the document case be taken seriously if the sitting president has done the same thing without the power to declassify all the stuff laying around in his garage and his library. So maybe, just maybe, all these cases, all of them, turn out to be a whole bunch of nothing. So the document case is very bizarre because there's a federal statute that allows uh, pretrial behavior to be done in secret. So last week, Judge Cannon met with the government in secret without Trump and his lawyers there. Then she met with Trump and his lawyers. Then she met with the government back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Trump doesn't know what she told the government. The government doesn't know what she told Trump. The statute provides for that. I condemn that statute. I think all of this should be in the open. And if the government doesn't want to reveal the secrets to the public that they claim he stole, they should dismiss the case against him. The public is entitled to know, and he's entitled to have all of this out in public. But that's not the law. The law allows the government and the court, requires the court, to keep it in secret until the time of the jury trial. When it comes to the jury trial, they're going to say document X. They're not going to say what's in document X, and that's wrong. The public, the press, the defendant have the right to know. All right, fair enough. Well, let's take a quick break with Judge Napolitano. Come back. I want to find out what you think more, the specifics of the New York case, and again, what you feel about overall on all these, because it wasn't that long ago that just based on the law, you were pretty nervous, and you felt yes. pretty confident that the president may be in some big trouble. I want to know if today that is still the case. We'll take a short break. Come back with my man, the great Judge Andrew Napolitano, live in studio right here on Sitting Friends. 
in the morning. on your Fridays. My main man, Judge Andrew Napolitano, right before his uh, Friday Weekly Newsmax appearance, once again, as he is every week live in studio. So you said um, something was surprising about the New York case, which, again, we knew, we know now, is going to trial. It starts March the 25th, and it's a very busy time because in and around that time, you've got Super Tuesday, right. which doesn't seem to matter right now because the latest numbers, if Nikki Haley decides to stick around after South Carolina, where she's down right now 36 points, it's humiliating in her own state. If right. she decides to stick around, there are polls that I've seen that have Nikki Haley down, you ready for this? By as much as 70 points good in God. states like Tennessee and North Carolina. Oh, good God. So, yeah, Super Tuesday comes out about the same time he's got to be in court for New York, but there's no competition. Like, we were worried, how's he going to do this? But yeah. like, He's uh, killing you. It's I, over. I, I, I don't know where she could get funds from with numbers that bad. Why would anybody donate to her campaign? That's how much they hate Trump. What you think of her and what you think of Trump, who wants to bur- burn money? They do it. Listen, Anthony Scaramucci and the owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, gave fat, stupid Chris Christie money. Oh, knowing full well he couldn't get 2%. Steve That's, Cohen gave money yes. to Christie? That's huh? how much they hate Donald Trump. But what surprised you about New York? Well, what surprised me is that that case is coming up, and I, and I think it took Trump's defense team by surprise. They told Justice Engeron yesterday they weren't ready. That quickly, you mean? Quick, correct, correct. Now, uh, you shouldn't reveal that to the other side that you're not ready. There's a lot of documents in this case. There are a lot of witnesses to go. They have this problem with Alan Weisselberg, who allegedly allegedly committed perjury in the Justice Engeron case. That's the that's the civil fraud case. The decision's coming down today. So Trump's got a lot on his hands. But remember, in this criminal case, he must be physically present for every proceeding in that courtroom. Has to be there. He has to be there. Even for the purely mundane, he must be there. He has never endured this before. This is the first criminal case. All these other cases, Eugene Carroll and the civil fraud case, obviously, they were civil. They weren't criminal. The defendant is free to come and go. But he has been pretty much coming almost every day anyway. Correct. 
Correct, but he is not going to, listen, I know him as you do, he is not going to be happy sitting no, there. No, of course not. A lot of those cases, at long periods of boredom, uh, while lawyers have sidebars and scrutinize a, a minutia in documents, he's got to sit there and he can't say anything. How long uh, could this case I said left? a few months earlier, I think about three to four weeks. Jeez. It's a long time and, to him. And they're going to bring her into the courtroom. They are. They're going to bring Stormy Daniels in. They're going to bring yeah. Michael Cohen in. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a real New York sideshow. Not sideshow, yeah. main show. Well, I couldn't imagine uh, anything worse than trying to prove my case going up against a porn star and a felonious attorney. I mean, it sounds pretty good for Trump, doesn't it? Well, a porn star and a felonious attorney. The issue is, does he take the witness stand? If he takes he has witness, to. If he takes that witness stand... The state can cross-examine him on anything, anything that affects his credibility. He could be on that stand for a week. He does not have the patience for that. (laughs) So the most difficult decision Todd Blanche and Todd is a great lawyer has to make is you're going to put your your client on the stand. That's it depends on how the government's yeah. case goes. So let's wrap this up because you got to go across the street and do television. Uh, again, uh, a couple of months ago when we started to pile up these indictments and these cases, criminal, civil, to the E. Jean Carroll stuff, you were, you were genuinely nervous that the president may, uh, may even face jail time. Uh, where is Judge Napolitano on that today? On which case? On all of them? All of them. Do you think? Well, uh, the, that, 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 okay, that, the D.C. case. It depends on on whether the court, the Supreme Court, takes the issue on immunity. I don't think they will. I think that court trial is going to happen right after this New York case, the Mar-a-Lago case. I don't think that's going to happen until after Election Day, which means if he wins, it'll probably never happen. I think his biggest problem is the one that's starting on May 25th. You've got a jury pool that hates him. You have a judge who's part of the Democratic machine, which is the system uh, in uh, in New York. But there's no um, a mandatory jail time. Like if you Correct. lose a Georgia case, you got to do at least five years. Correct. If in you lose York, either of those federal cases, he has to go to jail. The right. one in New York, there's no uh, mandatory uh, jail time. So that would just be a huge fine. Basically. Correct. It would allow Joe Biden or whoever the Democrats nominate to call him. Donald the felon, or right, whatever they want to call right, him. Right, right, which, which was a big deal for Takapina when he got the rape removed in the E. Jean Carroll deal. Uh, a big deal. Uh, it's one of Joe's skills is he, he knew he couldn't win everything, so he got rid of the worst thing for right, his client. Right. You are uh, beautiful. I love you. I love you, And too. you forgot my maple syrup again. Well, you know what we did this week? We what? tapped 275 trees. You did? Yes. So the fresh sap is running. I know that sounds gross. The sap is running <laughs> as we're speaking. We'll be, boil- we'll be boiling it in two weeks. You'll get the first jar. I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, you really are great here on Fridays. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, my man. God it, love you. It is an How honor. could I not say God love you to the king of the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor to have the great judge, Andrew Napoleon. Tano live in studio. Once again, he'll be on Newsmax coming up later on in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll take a short break. Big 8 o'clock hour. Peter King and Joseph Takapina both stopping by. Hour 3 coming up.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Alexei Navalny, that's the big story, dead at 47. Before I get to Peter King, let me get uh, my news guy, who has really developed into um, a mix of Charles McCord and Connell McShane. He's been that good. That's a huge compliment, and that is Noam Layden, who Bernie once uh, fired for uh, Juliet Huddy. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Bernie. Yeah, Bernie that day said he knew nothing about it ahead of time. Well, Bernie's lying, of course. <laughs> he, he's not here to say. But, right. Yeah. He was He was right there with me for that decision. Right. <laughs> but look who is here to say. Look <laughs> yeah. who's throwing. Hey, right under the bus. <laughs> right. Well, Bernie's not here. but Throwing also, a dead oh, man under the bus. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I met with Bernard that morning, and I was I was hoping Bernard was going to talk me out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he was not. He, he, he wasn't no part of it. He said, quite frankly, if I had enough of no. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> wow. Too bad you couldn't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something, okay, Wise is I'm the guy going to honor Bernard next month. I knew it. March 23rd, I believe. I'm going to see, uh, going to go to the grammar school, uh, where they're actually going to put a scholarship towards Bernie's name, which is beautiful. So I'm the guy that's going to be there. But just because he's dead doesn't mean we can't tell the truth about certain things. And it's easier to blame him for a lot of stuff now than me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't believe it? No, because you told me at the time that you were the reason I got fired. <laughs> no, actually, Bernie was like, nah, don't get rid of him. He's a good guy. I'm, I don't really trust his son. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even remember the conversations. <laughs> now he stopped himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Craig Schwab. He was really the bad sure, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what's the deal with Navalny, dead at 47? What's the whole story here? You know, he was this opposition leader who went after Putin, uh, w- would lampoon the Kremlin and call them crooks and thieves. Uh, they had tried to poison him a few times over the year. Not clear who it was. He was behind bars and, uh, collapsed this morning. He was going for a walk. This is what the prison system said, that he was going for a walk. He collapsed unconscious. The medics raced in to try to revive him and they weren't able to. 47 years old. Do you think they got him again? More poison in the prison? So uh, Zelensky came out, one of the first people, world leaders to speak out. We're hearing from all of them now. Zelensky said it's obvious that Putin had him killed behind bars. I gotta say, of course Zelensky's gonna say that. He's in a war with Russia. Right. But I actually believe Zelensky in this case. Uh, One of the few times I believed anything from Zelensky. Anyway, my next guest loves Zelensky, and uh, he is uh, one of the well, the greatest politician, him and Rudy, in my lifetime. And I mean that. The great congressman out of Long Island, Homeland Security, and, of course, a dear friend of the Rosenberg family, my friend Peter King. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Senator. Uh, let's say you know, I'll be joining you March 23rd at that event for Bernie, uh, you know, by Long Beach Catholic. It's a, a great honor. He deserves it. His family is phenomenal. And uh, Bernie loved that area so much. He loved that school. So it's a great tribute. Oh, I'm glad. You know, now that I think about it, of course you're going to be there. And um, I think, Pete, that's in Island Park, where my buddy is, Steve, yeah. he's got Jordan's Lobster House right there. I think Pete's Clam Bar is there. Pete's Clam House is uh, right there, too, right? Yeah, I, I, Island Park is a great community. That's where Al, Al D'Amato is from. There's so many people. It's a real solid community. I was fortunate to represent it for about 20 years. It was great. Great people. How far is that from your house? 
Uh, it's probably about a half hour drive. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to the other business at hand, and that is uh, the Philip loss. Now, um, I think it's unfair uh, to blame you or Joe Cairo or Anthony D'Esposito, but, um, you know, let's let's have an honest conversation. You and I are great friends, yeah. and I love you. I think the world of you. You are getting beaten up in a bunch of places. I think people want to hear you say, you know what, uh, in, in retrospect now, that was a bad choice, but something tells me Pete King is not going to say that. No, first of all, nobody came forward with a better choice. I mean, we had all the Queens Republicans in, National Republicans, sat down, we asked, asked the National Party for advice, and the consensus was there was 22 people on the, that came in <laughs> uh, to be interviewed, and the clear choice was that Mazi was the best candidate. I think she was the best candidate. I still believe that. It was a tough race. By the way, with all the criticism, she did better in that district than Donald Trump did running against Joe Biden. So she ran a strong race considering everything. And also considering that they spent $10 million more supporting Swazi than uh, the Republicans did. So is it... Not standing because of national money. No, because I... of local money. Right. Hockey and Jeffries... I heard as much as $18 million went into that race against her. So when you look back, though, now, Peter, he, he did spend twice as much. And you and I talked. We had great conversations leading up to Election Day, some of the issues that the voters had. Quite frankly, I know some people that did stay home. I'm not going to lie to you. They didn't vote for Swazi, but they stayed home because she was still a registered Democrat. And and um, there were some other issues. Uh, even uh, you say, that yeah. is not you. Anyone who says that that is the dumbest argument, they stayed home. I was here, you have Mazi who agrees with them on every major issue the police, the border, uh, everything involved, education, every every possible Republican issue, she agrees with them. And Tom Schwarzy was on the other side, so by them staying home, they would rather have Tom Schwarzy in Congress than her because of her party registration, which she was going to change after the election anyway. But it means nothing. Her record has been 100% Republican. And the county legislature, she voted for every Republican bill, 100%. She supported every Republican candidate she was asked to support. She never did anything for the Democratic Party. So for someone to zero in on what your party registration is, we should have been bragging about the fact that we had somebody, the Democratic Party, sign up with us to run against Swazi. You know, it never bothered me, and I endorsed her very enthusiastically for weeks, and it never bothered me, but unfortunately it did bother some people. I think it's silly, too, because she did stand for everything Republican. But, you know, when you look back now, Pete, and you really take a good look at this race, Swazi, he really campaigned as a Republican, too, didn't he? Totally. He totally campaigned as Republican. He also campaigned with my picture on all of the campaign ads and the TV commercials. <laughs> He's yeah. very so he's running for Congress. You wake up in the morning, my face is all over the television. Curtis Sliwa, yeah, Curtis Sliwa actually blamed you for the loss because your picture was on all these pamphlets. Yeah, we filed a protest against that. Swazi refused to take it down. You can't make him take it down. Uh, but to me, it was you know, bad form because, yeah, I worked with him and any number of Democrats and Republicans on issues involving New York. Everyone who's doing their job does that. But clearly, I was for Mazi 100%. I was for when she first ran for the county legislature two and a half years ago. I saw her as being a future star. She's everything that you could be looking for in a candidate in this day and age. She's literally an African-American, a refugee from Ethiopia, a member of the Israeli army, came to the United States illegally, is raising seven kids. She stands for all the principles we stand for. And uh, to me, I thought she'd be a good candidate, especially since there was nobody who matched her in stature who was, who was willing to run. 
And that's, that's really, it's really it's bad form after the fact to be criticizing someone. If she put her heart and soul into this race, I mean, I don't know how she did it. Rosemary is so jealous. She said, how can any woman look that good after being up at five in the morning and campaigning till midnight for six weeks in a row? Except on the Sabbath. Right, 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 right. On the Sabbath. Well, in all fairness, Pete, we're going to be honest, a lot of these criticisms were not afterwards. They were before. I mean, I can't tell you how many people said to me, and again, I went in enthusiastically because I liked her as a person a lot, a lot, and I wanted to win. I wanted that Republican seat. I wanted you guys to succeed. But whether it was her difficulty communicating because she is all those different ethnicities and nationalities, she's not a great English speaker, whether it's because she's a registered Democrat, uh, people were talking about that before she lost, in all fairness. If these were Republicans saying this, they should be ashamed of themselves. They should have been out there campaigning for turn all those things into assets. We are the party of legal immigration. We are the people who don't care if you're a black or a woman or what you are. We're going to go for the best candidate. They should be using that for not trying to tear it down. So after the fact, they can say, oh, you should have nominated somebody else. Who do they have? These are, these are people sitting in the bleachers, sitting on the sideline. Who was their candidate? What were they going to do? Were they out there campaigning in the streets? Why would they do it? They were doing nothing. So, but um, yeah. one of the other criticisms, Peter, was the ground game. I mean, I kept hearing Swazis here, Swazis there. Now, yes, yeah, she had some great rallies, some great events, and you were there for all of them. To your credit, you worked your ass off. Uh, Joe did, and Curtis, and Paladino. All you guys worked your ass off, but she wasn't really going door to door, especially in Queens. That was another criticism. When you look back at that, does that carry any weight? No, let me just tell you as far as Queens, okay? And I'm going to try to start a fight here with Queens. fact is, the Queens leader was at all the meetings that Joe Cairo had, okay? So he signed on to all of this. As far as the volunteers, there was nothing done in Queens by the Queens organization. Joe Cairo had to send in 150 volunteers from Nassau County. On the, on the Saturday before the election, 150 people from Nassau County in there helping uh, Vicky Palladino. There was no Queens organizations. It turned out we were sending in, Cairo sent in tons of literature and signs to Queens. And then Vicky Palladino tells us the week before election day that it was never given to her. They were holding it somewhere at some headquarters. Now, when Cairo heard that, he sent in another load of uh, 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 campaign material, signs, everything to Vicky, and then sent in 150 people we took out of Nassau County and sent them into Queens. We assumed they were doing their job. And apparently, you know, they weren't. When Vicky told us about it, then we sent in volunteers. As far as the ground game, we were knocking on every door throughout Nassau County. And a part of that was Swazi saying that. Swazi was going to events all the time. She didn't take part in all these debates he wanted to before every local civic club. But she was going door to door. She was campaigning in different neighborhoods. As far as Queens, you know, is Nassau, is Queens. Queens has their organization. Basically, you, you take the cue from them. And whatever she was asked to do, she did. She spoke at one of uh, Vicky's rallies, but she was out there morning to night going through the streets. And it was Swazi saying she wasn't anywhere, but she was. She was uh, doing everything she was asked to do. And again, I don't know how she uh, did it without being run into the ground because she was just killing herself. Cairo put everything into it. We had events after events. And as far as the neighborhoods, we had hundreds of people out, not just on weekends, but during the week. We easy on weekends, a thousand people out going door to door for her. Well, Pete, you're going to have to answer to uh, Vicky. Vicky, uh, like you said, had that rally, and she loves you. She spent a good, I'm not exaggerating, Pete, two minutes on this show. The whole city heard it, saying how much she loves and respects you and, 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 and went out of her way to make sure she made that point before she made this point about the guys on Long Island. You know, we did one rally, and uh, my foot soldiers 
There was no place for them to go to pick up what they needed to push her name out. So slowly I was getting, you know, in my own mind, being a full-time councilwoman, tried, urged them if they want to really win in Queens, this is what they need to do. And it wasn't followed through on. No. So, you know, the lousy 6,000 votes she took from here or whatever it was, it doesn't lay at my doorstep at all. And I won't, you know, it's it's what they did. So now we got to think about going forward. Well, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you. So, so it sounds to me, and the reason why people love you is because you're a beautiful woman, but you got a set of balls. I mean, it's 2024. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So it sounds to me like you're placing the blame on her lack of success in Queens on that Long Island machine. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's Vicky Paladino's answer right there, Pete. Okay, well, listen, I, I love Vicky. I totally disagree. The Long Island organization, she calls it, you know, it's Joe Cairo in Nassau, it's uh, Jesse Garcia in Suffolk. Those two together have the greatest record of any Republicans in the country. We have won every race in Nassau County over the last four years. This time, Cairo is sending in all the material that Queens wanted. It's not our fault that they didn't use it. I mean, what did what more could Joe Cairo have done? He had to go in and bail out Queens by sending in 150 volunteers because they couldn't do the job. When Vicky had her big rally in Whitestone, half the people there were from Nassau County. Cairo did everything to be asked to do. So I don't know how Nassau could possibly be blamed for this. We any money was raised, all it was raised by Nassau County. All the materials were sent in by Nassau County. When she says she has no place to put the literature, that's in Queens. Joe Cairo is not going to find a headquarters. Foreign Queens. I mean, Vicky's been the councilwoman there. They have their county chairman. You assume when Cairo was sending in tons of material that they were going to put it somewhere. I mean, he was relying on them. That, if there was a mistake made, it was relying on Queens to do the job. We had sent in 150 people the weekend of the Saturday morning before the campaign, before election day, were from Nassau County. We were, we were working in Nassau, a thousand committeemen, and then another 150 we had to send into Queens because they weren't doing the job. And I'm not talking about Vicky. Vicky was out there campaigning. I'm talking about as an organization, a ground game. We had it in Nassau, and then we had to move it into Queens the Saturday before the election because they weren't doing their job. All right. So somebody also told me, and I wasn't listening, Peter. So, you know, I, my first uh, reaction is to defend you because I love you. And I mean that sincerely. But I was told by a bunch of people a couple of days ago that you went on with John and Rita and you were blaming Donald Trump to a certain extent for the loss. And I would just say this. I know how you feel about Trump. I know you voted for him. I know you love his policies. I also know you've gone kind of sideways on him over the last year because of some of the things he's done and said. But I would say this. I don't think it's a good idea, especially now with the traction that Trump has, murdering the Republican field and beating Joe Biden to go after Trump if you want to win any Republican race. So I wasn't listening, but is there any truth to that? No. And I'll tell you what I did say, critical of Donald Trump, is what he said after the election. When he took that cheap shot at Mizey Phillips, called him a, a foolish woman, where was he during the campaign? Did he throw any money into it? No. And for him to say that if, if she had endorsed him publicly, she would have won. Donald Trump has the worst record of any president, any Republican president, as far as candidates. In 2018, we lost the House by more votes than any time in the last 50 years. That was the first two years of Donald Trump's administration. In 2020, we lost the Senate because of his political malpractice going into Georgia. So for him to say that somehow she should have wrapped herself around Donald Trump and it would have won the election, she did better in that district than he did. So that's, I, I was mad at him. I thought it was a cheap shot 
after the fact, be criticizing a woman who put her heart and soul into the race with $20 million spent against her, calling her a crook and every name possible. And she stood firm, never complained. She smiled on election night. She didn't complain. She didn't claim the election was stolen from her. She did what she had. And for him to say, a shot at her. He's the guy dividing the party. Why didn't he say she ran a great race? She's part of the future. Let's stand together. No, he attacks her. And all these people on the sidelines, mind you, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, it's the man in the arena that deserves the, the credit, not the guy, you know, the cowardly people standing yep. on the outside yep. throwing yep. shots. I know. Uh, a lot of folks think that part of the reason why Mozzie may have lost in Queens is because she was black. I guess they're calling Queens a racist borough. So so wrapping up the, the conversation about Mozzie and moving forward, and I know you've already said this, but I want to hear you repeat it. There is nothing, nothing you regret, nothing you regret about, A, selecting Mozzie as your candidate, and B, whatever choices you made to campaign right up until Election Day. Nothing. I'm saying that Nassau County and Joe Cairo did everything possible. Mozzie did everything possible. And I'm not blaming. The only reason I'm even talking about Queens is they brought it up. I'm saying Cairo did what had to be done. Mozzie did what had to be done. I don't know if she would have won anyway. It was a tough race against a very entrenched candidate who had the entire uh, Washington and New York establishment behind him. In Mozzie's case, uh, it took two weeks before Washington came up with the money. In the meantime, Swazi built up a lead by having two weeks of almost uninterrupted ads, uh, which couldn't compete with what Mozzie had locally. Finally, we got the money in, in the last few weeks, and it was again, it was down to the wire. And the yeah, but, but, it, but it, it wasn't that close. I mean, that, that was part of the issue, too. Even O'Reilly said it yesterday that he wasn't surprised she lost. Either was I. I mean, to be completely candid, you and I are best friends. I said the yeah. day before, I thought she was going to lose. Uh, but she I, lost. But, you heard it. The, but she lost, point, by, every, but she lost by eight points. Right. Which, by the way, President Donald Trump did when he ran that district. But anyway, <laughs> apart from that. Now, it's serious. I, mean, you it's, I, would have, I would have said it beforehand. He's attacking her, so I'm just responding. Oh, well, but explain this but, to me. But you said it was going to be tough for her to win. Well, explain to me how George Santos won by five points. First of all, George Santos is a low life. I don't know why you give him oxygen. Any guy who, who abused the memory of 9-11, of the Holocaust, he is either a mental case or an evil person. Either in either event, nobody should be saying any good words about. All right, so so you, so you don't agree. You, you don't agree with Santos that the congressman on Long Island should pay the Republicans back ten million dollars. I, I don't even listen to George and He's an evil, stupid, crazy person. Nobody should be giving him oxygen. If, we, if he had not, if he had not been around, this would have been so much better. We had to get rid of him because that was he was toxic on Long Island. There's no way that Garbarino or the Esposito or La Loda could have won this year if they had him hanging around their neck. He's an evil, stupid person. All right. So listen, before we move any further, okay, we've got another yeah. guest on the line. I guess she's been listening. And uh, if she's mad at me, I don't care because I, she said it. I didn't say it. I love her to pieces, but don't give me that crap. But the Vicky Palladino's on the line. And maybe she wants to uh, tell you what she meant, what she said. I don't know. So put her on here. Let's get uh, Pete <laughs> and Vicky on the phone at the same time. Uh, Vicky, Peter King is on the phone. What do you want to say? Hello, Sid. Good morning, Hi. Peter. Hey, you uh, doing, Vicky? Good, you. good uh, talking to you. Uh, good talking to you, too, Peter. And I hope we continue to chat. Uh, yes. But... Uh, Yes, you did bring people in a one hundred percent and uh however, we've had multiple conversations through this entire campaign about what Queens needed in order to take 
and help Mozzie win 18% of her district here in Queens. You know that. We talked about it. So what I want to do is just correct the record. For the record, what you're saying right now, because we talked about the resources. We talked about what we needed, a small campaign office, so that the people were able, ready, willing, and able to go out and campaign for Mozzie if they had a place to go to pick up lawn signs, not in Ozone Park. We needed them here locally, and uh, we didn't get that. I wanted women to phone bank. We didn't get that. Uh, more hey, about that's on job the to get phone and what Mike Queens was able to do for Mozzie, and we didn't get any of that. So please don't say that, and I don't want to hear from Nassau saying that Vicky Palladino didn't do her job. No, I don't know, Vicky. I've been a point of saying you did work hard, but I'm saying Cairo sent in more. I didn't work more. hard at all. I, I didn't work hard at all because I wasn't given the resources in order for my team Wait. to work hard for Mozzie. Okay, that, that is that joke. He sent all the resources you needed into, into Queens County. They didn't give it to you once it got to Queens. But Cairo gave you everything you needed, the signs, the material. As far as getting a headquarters, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't find some storefront. That's not Joe Cairo's responsibility to go in and find a storefront in Whitestone. Well, well we couldn't pay for it out of our pocket. We needed the funding to come from Nassau County. What were we supposed to pay for it? A storefront for eight weeks? Vicky, there is an organization in Queens. I guess the organization didn't follow through. But here's the other thing. The first time yeah, don't you lay it on somebody, me. Don't lay it on me. That's my point. Don't lay Vicky, it on me. I didn't me. lay anything on you. I didn't lay anything on you. I'm saying that the job was not done in Queens by the organization. And I'm also saying that the first I heard about it from you was two and a half weeks before Election Day when we met in that restaurant in Queens. And Cairo was never told about it before. He assumed if he's sending in all his tons of material that you had a place well, to I, I made it. I, well, I just want to clear the record. I don't want my name dropping out of anybody's mouth. And I've said that to you guys from the very beginning. When we nobody in Nassau met. County has ever said a bad word about you. Joe Cairo I had know. you there on and election night in a place of honor. And every event during the, during the campaign, Cairo had you up front. And you, you were there. Right. You spoke at his and event. I, and, I, and I did say, look, I, what, what did I say? I just actually, because it was such a poor showing in Queens, and I had nothing to do with that poor showing because I did not have the resources that I needed in order to do my job. Because you must be honest. Were, that's, a, when, that's an internal problem in Queens. That's that, not Joe Well, that's well. something that, like I said, that's something that needs to be discussed with yeah. the Queens organization. Exactly, please, exactly. Please keep, please keep me out of it. I want to stay friends with Nassau. Vicky, I I never, you're the one who brought up my name. Yes, I never said a word about you. The Queens organization no, did, not, okay. did uh, not do the job. Cairo sent everything to them. They didn't give it to you. That's not Joe Cairo's fault. Right, and, and when I said, when I asked for it um, a, a thousand times, because I know, you know how I work. And you know how well I can do what I can do. So, and my my group that works with me, my team that won me five elections, five, okay? The last two uh, being the seat of city council. When my team works, it works on its own and it works well. And if I would have had the resources to do my job, my team would have well, All I know, Vicky, is Joe Cairo gave all the resources that were needed. The fact that the Queen's chairman didn't get them to you is not but Joe Cairo's fault. But, Pete, you got to understand here. 
what I'm hearing constantly is the name Vicky Palladino. So please switch, that, please, please switch that out to the Queen's organization, all right? Not Vicky Palladino, because Vicky Palladino does her job, and Vicky Vicky's, does her job very well. I, I, I so challenge you to cool. find one word. That Joe Cairo or anyone or I said about you. We've said nothing but good things no, about I, you. Okay. Just, by you. Just make sure, let's just make sure because I want to remain friends with you. We became good friends. I want that to continue. And I'm getting text messages that uh, Peter King's talking about you on the radio. No, 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 no. no. Here's where I'm going to no, jump no, no, in. No, 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 no. No, no, hold on. I'm, I'm going to jump in here, Vicky. And you know what? Be yeah, honest with you. I, I love both good. of you guys. Peter actually, much like you did yesterday, you went out of your way to say nice things about Peter. Then you lame based in Long Island. He uh, he said, "Hey, I love Vicky. Vicky worked hard. He never ever you, ever Peter. mentioned your name." See, nobody nobody said that to me on the text messages. Yeah. That's why I called in. So my yeah. apologies and stop texting me, everybody, on with things that aren't true. Yeah. There you go, Peter. Now, Pete. No, 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 no. By the way, Pete. Did, now, Pete did send me a personal text, but I didn't read it on the air. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, Vicky, don't be so, sorry you called in. This was some of the most epic radio in the history of New York. So thank you so much. You know <laughs> Why not? This is what we should be doing. Well, I totally you agree. Know, this yes. Is politics. This is what we should be doing. Open, honest conversations. And you know Great. what? The more we know, the more the people know. You understand? This is all about, infor- I'm all about informing the people. And this way they, could, they vote properly. I educate. And you know what? A banter back and forth, I think, is something that should be actually done in our city council like they do in Parliament so that we can go back and forth and actually hash things out Agreed. and maybe get something to work. All know? right, Vicky, thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Sid. All thank right, baby. You, thank Peter. you. All Have right. a great week. You too. Okay. And you too, Vicky. <laughs> yeah, let me just say again, Joe Tyree, everything Vicky asked him to do, he sent the material, and the fact that there's a problem within Queens that they didn't cooperate with Vicky is another thing. And we never said a word critical of Vicky. In fact, Tyra, at no. her request, sent 150 people last weekend. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking up to you 1,000% that nobody, nobody has said a bad word about Vicky Palladino. They've been uh, critical about Queens. They've been critical about Long Island. Uh, but especially you two, Pete and Vicky, uh, your names have been uh, left out of this. So now the question becomes, Mozzie did lose this one, but now we go to the, the election coming up in November. Have you guys already started a short list of candidates? Uh, is there a chance, uh, even though a lot of people hope it's not the case, that Mozzie will run again? Maybe you can convince Lee Zeldin. I don't know. You guys starting to think of potential candidates for November. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be looking at all candidates. We're looking to see how the lines are going to be. Uh, they, they sort of come out last night, and it looks like Long Island has not been changed much, but the Democratic state chairman now wants to go to the legislature have those lines changed. So that's going to depend on how those districts look. Uh, if there's more, say, uh, more Democrats put into Swazi's district, it would make it harder to, uh, you know, to win. Uh, so, and we have to be, make sure we uh, reelect certainly Anthony D'Esposito. Remember, he overcame a $75,000, uh, a 75,000 vote edge the Democrats had to win his seat. So no, we've been looking at, but we did this in, again, somehow this idea that Cairo imposed a candidate. We went to Queens. Give us any way you have. If Vicky wanted to run, I'm sure she would have been strongly considered. My God, she wins big in the Democratic district. As far as the other candidates, we had 22 people come in, all be interviewed. This was no boss-made decision. And uh, Mozzie was the best candidate we had. I think if more people on the Republican side had gotten behind her and not be taking shots at her, 
then because he wasn't a registered Republican, therefore they were going to somehow sit it out. They should have been praising the fact. Yeah. This shows how an open, you know, the big tent Republicans have, they were able to get a, a, a Democrat to come over. And she she ran twice as Republican and won. So, I don't, again, Kyra will look, I will look, all of us will look. It's an open, uh, we have a very, despite what people think, a very open process in, in Nassau County. Cairo is a strong, tough leader, but they also go through all of the possible candidates. We want to win, and that's why we won everything. We have won every countywide race. Every town and city in, in Nassau County is now under Republican rule. That was not the case. We took back four state Senate seats. Nobody works harder or is more dedicated than Joe Cairo. If other people, and not Vicky, but I'm just saying, if somewhere the ball was dropped outside of Nassau County, you can't blame Joe Cairo for that. If anything, we can blame Cairo for sending so much material into Queens that we could have used in Nassau. We were sending them thousands and thousands of pieces of campaign literature, of signs. And then we had to take 150 people of our people and send them into Queens yeah. Saturday before the election. Yep. So in the final 30 seconds, it, this is personal for you because you guys made the decision. You can you can distance yourself and say, hey, I'm just part of a, of a, of a machine, a committee. But, you know, your name is kind of attached to this. And, um, you know, you were such an amazing politician. I know you've you're enjoying retirement. You're great on this show. Great on John's show. You've got other jobs making some money. But uh, because your candidate, not just yours, but you guys lost. Is there anything that's burning inside of you that says the only way I can make this right is if I come back and run in November? First of all, I've, I've been spending more time in court than Donald Trump. My wife is me for divorce. <laughs> and I've been, <laughs> no, I, I, actually, Rosemary, in, in a week of moments, does say, now you should get back in there. No, no, I, I'm not running. It's time for a new generation. I'll be doing all I can for the Republican Party. Fair they enough. will nominate you, Sid. They will have you run. No, 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 thank you. Danielle would kill you. You know Danielle would kill you. But on a serious note, uh, that was yeah. uh, that was great today. Thank you for coming on. I know you guys will make the right choice again in November, and we'll take another shot at it, that's all. But I love you. Great job. We'll talk again very great. soon. Great job, sir. Thanks. You too, Bye. Pete. Thanks. There he is, Peter King, and uh, a little uh, guest spot from Vicky Palladino. And there's nothing better than unscripted unscripted radio. We had no idea Vicky was going to call in. We should have known she listens every day. But I think we fixed it, I think. And if we didn't, stay tuned for next time. Joe Takapitas.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. My phone is blowing up. Um, Lynn Hort, Monica Allen, Liz Rios, Mick Kelly, all of them. Epic Radio. I've got about 25 texts. I can't even check them all. I know Breslin's going nuts. That was about as good a uh, radio you'll ever get, Johnny Tobacco. We did not book Vicky Palatino. She just called in her own. And her and King, um, well, they're good friends. You know, they, they respect and love each other, so it didn't get ugly, unfortunately. But it was still oh, tense. It was close. It was close. <laughs> it was close. I had to jump in at one point and tell them both, no, 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 no. All good. But it was um, you, it was you, quite radio. You really can be a Solomon in these situations. Wow, you just... Well, I feel like I instigated the whole thing, which is what he wanted to do. So right. I, I was successful. Yeah, you, you work on both ends. There was no you reason work. for me to play that Paladino cut. None. Zero. Other than... Hoping to get the exact reaction that I got because Vicky's such a psycho, which makes her a great politician. In fact, I believe uh, sincerely that she is as good a politician as we have in New York right now. Like Trump, I don't want to hear about people who have self-control. God, I, I don't. I don't want to hear it. I want you to go nuts. Well, everybody's convinced now from uh, Kamala Harris that moron. <laughs> to uh, Zelensky, that moron, that uh, this is this is really some some brilliant deduction. You ready for this? The Russians are behind Navalny's death. No, no kidding. They poisoned the guy thirty times. The guy died at forty-seven years old, seemingly healthy. That's quite a call, huh? No, yeah. Kamala Harris is no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> she could take over right now. That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish she would have called in with Vicky Palladino and Pete King. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. All righty. A lot of commercials the last couple of minutes because we had that Pete King, Vicky Palladino, which is an unbelievable, epic, epic couple of minutes of radio here on Sit in Friends in the Morning. Don't forget Joe Tacopina next hour and maybe open phones as well. Fourth and final hour coming up. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Trump stuff today. I mean, you got the um, the judge in New York going to come down with a decision. Trump's already lost that one in terms of damages. We know Letitia James 
that racist douchebag wants uh, upwards of 400 million and um, she wants Trump to lose his uh, practice here in New York, which would be a real calamity. I mean, she's such a lowlife. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to get all that. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen here? Don't know. I don't have the legal mind to tell you what's going to happen. But either there's going to be some sort of fine. No. But we don't know. You know, I don't know whether it'll be three hundred and seventy million. Which we is don't what know. Tisha yeah. James is asking for. At the same time, the hearing on the misconduct allegations from this other moron, Fonnie Willis, lying through her teeth. I mean, lying through her teeth all day yesterday. Horrendous, Nathan Wade. Very entertaining television, riveting, mind you. But uh, this is serious stuff. Yeah, seriously. Well, the, and she'll be back on the witness stand this morning. There's some procedural stuff. Any minute. Yes. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, the judge is doing some procedural stuff this morning. But yeah, any second she'll be back up there. She's also grotesque. I mean, just real, a real douche. You hear her yesterday? She's like, don't you yell at me. And she's like, I don't need a man for my money. The only man that ever paid for anything for me was my daddy. I don't need no man. A man ain't no plan, is what she said, this dumb biatch. And then Red Fox came uh, walking into the courtroom. Basically. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you watch this stuff, and you, and you, you just, you just got to ask yourself, where have we gone in this country? I mean, it's, you know, you hate to involve race and everything, but you can't watch a commercial anymore without, you know, almost the whole commercial being black. You got all these uh, people out there that Letitia James, Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis, basically break the law every day. They're, they're the most corrupt, disgusting racists on the earth. They're all black. You got all these uh, athletes and ball players that, for the most part, have become detestable. I love sports. I watch everything. I love it. But they're, they're, you can't like these people. I mean, what the hell is going on here? On a serious note. Another Jew beaten up in uh, Brooklyn a couple of days ago, Noam. Guy was black. But, of course, no one else would have the balls to say this. But maybe no one else is dumb enough to say it. But I say it because I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of running cover. And we made a lot of mistakes in this country's history. But we've done a complete 180. And we've gone from where it was not enough to where it's too much. Where hardworking white Jewish people like me are all of a sudden not worth all that much. You give me a gay black guy with three fingers and that guy you got to pray to the altar. Give me a hardworking white Jew and that guy, he's no good. How does any of that make sense? Any of it. Every analyst on MSNBC and CNN seems to me to be, you know, a guy on now, Eugene Robinson, this guy, Al Sharpton. You want to explain this to me, Noam, or you? <laughs> I'll let Lou explain it to you. He's, he's good at that kind of thing. Because you're scared um, to death. Because, again, I'm the only guy that says it. And, you know, maybe someday somebody will get mad. I don't care. No, there's one one thing after another has changed. Yeah. Everything has changed. And none of it's for the better. None back. of it is for the – none of it. How is it uh, – how is it getting better? It's divisive. Everything's divisive. It's worse. I know that, but you can start with that. How if well I do start with that, I do start with that because Obama black was going to come save us and blacks and whites were going to be kumbaya. It's all going to be great. 
Well, I guess he wasn't counting on Ferguson, Missouri, Freddie Gray in Baltimore, or Eric Garner on Staten Island. I have to keep reminding people that yell about Trump, all the horrible things they say about Trump. He's a racist. BLM was born under Obama. Obama was the guy who had the opportunity to put the fires out and made it worse. That kid, Michael Brown, was a scumbag. He tried to grab Darren Wilson's gun in Missouri. And they made this kid out to be a victim. In fact, Hillary Clinton, at her convention, had the mother up on stage. Like this kid was some type of martyr. He was a lowlife. Just like, just like, what's his name was? George Floyd. Another lowlife. Black. But no, there are statues. And we're going to take down Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, but build statues for George Floyd, who got arrested nine times and put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. So was anybody else besides Sid Rosenberg going to have the balls to say something? Anybody else? I don't care about media matters. I don't care about Al Sharpton. I don't care about BLM. They can all blow me, every one of them. Is anybody else going to have the balls? Where people like Fannie Willis tell her to shut up. I don't care if she's black, if she's a woman, if if she's in a wheelchair. I don't care. Back after this. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. A phone blowing up. <laughs> Thank you, Sid, once again for saying all the things that we think. That's what I do. And my wife, as you know, the beautiful Danielle, is biracial, so I can say whatever I want because I have ownership. It's kind of like Chris Rock, you know. So I can say whatever I want about the blacks and the Jews. Okay. So I'm both. Whatever you want. That's it. All right. I'm not holding back. Okay. What's wrong with this country? You know, this uh, Fonnie Willis was so bad yesterday on the stand, so bad, so unlikable, so unbelievable, just a lion sack, that after hearing all morning long that she was going to go back on the stand today, now she's not going to be on the stand. Isn't that right, Noam? It looks that way, yeah. Why is that? Well, there was a whole discussion that I'm trying to sort of decipher because I'm, I'm doing my job and then trying to listen at the same time between the attorneys and the judge. So I can give you a firm idea and a 
probably 30 seconds or so. All right, well, we're going to go to Joe Tacopina anyway. He's the uh, the best defense attorney, not just in New York, not just in the country, but I maintain anywhere in the world, and I mean that. Not because I'm friends with him for 47 years. He's just magnificent at his job. He's that good. So uh, here he is, my man, Joe Tacopina. I mean, uh, she was awful yesterday. Again, Joe, unlikable, clearly lying, uh, arrogant, nasty, nasty, does any of that have anything to do with the decision, which I saw moments ago, that says she's probably not going to take the stand today? Um, look, she was – you could not have a worse witness than Fannie Willis. Everything that you could do wrong to, to make yourself not likable to a fact finder, she did. Um, yelling at the lawyers. I mean, the judge at one point told the sitting district attorney, you better listen to the question. If it happens again, I'm going to strike your testimony. The judge said that to her. Unreal. So I mean, you and, know, by, and the judge, the judge also was forced to take a five-minute recess because she lost control. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, and this is the person who is in charge of the prosecution of President Trump and seventeen other people. I mean, or eighteen other people. It's it's that's scary. Um, you know, look. First of all, when you do something as stupid as she did. You don't get up on a witness stand and become arrogant. <laughs> I mean, what, what she did puts in jeopardy the prosecution, and it could be considered a crime if it's perjury. And and look, and when I say perjury, it's because there's a whole dispute over when this thing started, this, this relationship that that caused this this controversy. And you know, there's a lot of bad things that came out in that testimony yesterday. So you know, you said it moments ago. You said, "Look, man, she's in charge of this criminal case." And all I keep hearing is, well, if a lot of this stuff, if the judge deems it true, the sex, the money, the taking the money, all this, the worst that will happen is she'll be disqualified. Well, whoever this moron is, Nathan Wade, he'll lose any credibility he's got left. But the case will move on. So I ask you, is there any chance that the case really does take a hit if they consider this lady to be uh, as big a liar and as tragic as we saw yesterday. Look, it's going to take a the case will take a quote unquote credibility hit, right? I mean, the focus is now not on the the defendants, but on the prosecutor's conduct. But if you're asking, does it mean the case could possibly be thrown out? No, the case can't. I, I don't, honestly don't know if that's really what the motion is here. The motion by the defense is to disqualify. The prosecutor, but this is not going. This has nothing to do with the merits of the case because the, don't forget, a grand jury has already, you know, uh, voted on this. No, I understand that, but but then again, you're the lawyer and you're, you're the best in the world at it. So, but so the lawyer knows he can't get the case thrown out. So, isn't the lawyer going about this? In in in, in the thought is, hey, if I get this lady disqualified, that is going to help us, even if they don't dismiss the case right off the bat. The the, the credibility of the prosecutor puts the, the case's decision, at least, in, in, in jeopardy. Yep, that, and that's exactly right. That's what I'm saying. It puts the, 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 the credibility, the, the judgment of this prosecutor in jeopardy. And then if she's disqualified, that means a special prosecutor has to come in and take a look at everything de novo, done new, right? So, so maybe perhaps the thought is if she's gone, we can convince a, a, a you know, prosecutor that's not you know, motivated by politics or yeah. – 
uh, trying to put herself on you know, the front page of every paper in the country. Maybe we convince them to be rational and take a look at this case and, and, and dismiss it. I mean, that could be one of the hopes and ideas, but yeah. again, it's unlikely. Tell me about the New York case, Engeron. I guess they're going to make the decision today on exactly what the penalty is. Trump lost the case. No surprise there. We knew that. I know this, um, this uh, Attorney General Letitia James, who I really dislike as much as I dislike Bonnie Willis and Alvin Bragg and the rest of them. She's looking for $375 million and for Trump to lose his practicing uh, license here in New York. Uh, are, are either one of those realistic? What do you think is the likely penalty for Trump? Oh, I think both of those are very realistic. I think that's probably what's going to happen at this stage. Look, this judge hates Donald Trump. Okay, I mean, he's made it pretty clear. Um, and so he's going to do whatever the AG wants him to do. But it doesn't mean it's going to stand up in court because I, I think this case is, is, has a lot of issues um, from from even the legal theory behind it, I think it has a lot of issues. So I'm not sure any of these... Well, let me ask you this. If this case has a lot of legal issues, and I agree with you, how did it get this far? <laughs> because you, this is... The, and this is the problem with, with state court. When you have a case like this going through the state court system, it got this far because Judge Engron, at this point, gets to make all the decisions. So you can't disagree with a, a decision of Judge... You know, the judge, the judge, the judge who had the case, right. and then went to the appellate court. They tried, and it was sent back. So it got this far because you have a judge who refused to listen to logic, reason, and facts. Um, and then, you know, so that, that, this was a fait complete. I mean, when I first looked at this case, it was a fait complete because the fact finder is Judge Engron. Judge Engron has already said in, in court he doesn't like the defendant. So, I mean, it, you know, there was no, nothing that was going to be won in this case at this level. Then tell me about the appeal. So uh, let's say he comes back today and he, he does what Letitia James wants, $375 million, and uh, we're evoking Donald Trump's license. Neither one of those go into effect right away till after the appeal. How does that work? That's right. It'll be, it'll be a stay, obviously. They'll, they'll, they'll file a notice of appeal. And, you know, no one's taking his money at this point until that's resolved. And, and there'll be no action that, you know, there'll be a stay on the, any action to ban him from, the, the, you know, the Trump organization from um, working in New York City. I mean, or New York State, for that matter. But the, that, that'll all be put on hold until there's a resolution on the appeal. That's why this case really right now is more about the, the splash than, than really having an effect on President Trump's pocketbook or his, his campaign. I know, but when they appeal, and again, this is why this is such a great, great segment, because I think I'm coming to you from the majority of my audience, which is, I'm a really smart guy. So is my audience, but we don't know all these specifics, and you're the best in the business, so I can't thank you enough for this. So this appeal that comes now, they're not appealing the verdict. In other words, it's not going to be like, no, Trump was innocent of everything. He's going to have to still, I guess, pay some fines. So is the appeal about lessening the blow? Yeah, I mean, look, they are eventually going to appeal the finding that fraud was committed before they even had a trial, right? I mean, that's that was a pretty that was a pretty unique move. I mean, but but they are going to obviously appeal. Look, a reward of three hundred seventy million is not holding up. Okay, it's just not holding up. There were no damages in this case. Remember that no one lost anything. So they're going to appeal both. I think the underlying findings of fraud. Then they'll appeal this ridiculous part now, which is three hundred seventy million plus. You know, uh, no license in the state. So it's it's. I don't think that that for sure is not going to stand up. I also think they have a real chance on this case because 
Again, there's no one that claimed to be hurt. This is a private transaction between two private companies, right. and, and everyone made money. Is this Blanche? Is this his case? No, no, no. That's uh, Chris Kai's. Oh, right. That's Alina right. Alina Haba. That's right. That's right. Alina Haba. Uh, I want to move to the document case because I had Judge Napolitano. He loves you. He was in studio. He's in every Friday. Now he's in studio an hour before you. And um, I asked him the same thing, and that is now that we know that Joe Biden took documents, and when he took those documents, he was vice president. What does that mean? That means that he did not have the power and or the authority to declassify them. So if he's got stuff on Ukraine, which he did, and other stuff on, on real national security issues, which which the special counsel even said that these documents even said when he called them senile, these documents present issues with national security. He's got all these in, in a garage, in a building, in a library. Trump at Mar-a-Lago, that place is like a fortress. He's got more security than the White House. And as president, he had the right to declassify anything he wanted. So if Trump has been indicted, which he has been, and Jack Smith is looking to kill him on this, now is that document case also in jeopardy because Biden basically has done the same thing? No. <laughs> Legally speaking, of course not. There's there's no motion to be made for, you know, I want my case dismissed because the president, the current president, did the same thing and he didn't get charged. They won't do that. The motion is selective prosecution, obviously, and that's that's what they're talking about. But there's a distinction the, on the allegations. Remember, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that President Trump did anything wrong, but on the allegations, the distinction is the cover up, right? With Biden, their, their position is basically, yeah, okay, he had these documents, he shouldn't have had them, but when he, they were uncovered, he cooperated. That's their position. The oh, you're told, you're, you mean when they said to Trump, give them back, and he didn't do that? Obstruction of justice, you're talking about. It's, it's, that's, that's exactly where. Some of, some of the, the, the really the underlying main allegations in this case come. I mean, look, anyone could have these documents. Biden had them, right? Um, what, what, what they're saying here is subpoenas were ignored, there uh, were attempts to destroy evidence, uh, things were hidden, and, and that's really going to be the crux, in my opinion, of their, their case down in, uh, in Florida. You know, I asked the judge, um, I don't know, I guess about three months ago, Tack, the judge and Idala, those two specifically, they were, like, all freaked out. You know, they thought that Georgia was a real possibility, that he can go to jail. And we know that the minimum the minimum is five years, okay, uh, unlike the money issue in New York. And they thought the document thing, and and they were like, wow, he, he's really, he, he, he can really go away. And I said to the judge this morning, I said, while all these things still remain somewhat serious, some more serious than others, do you still feel like the, the president may go away? And he wasn't nearly as effusive as he was with that opinion a couple of months ago. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I, I would agree with his, well, look, I never thought he was going to go away, but but I certainly could agree with the, you know, pulling back on that sort of opinion because it's it's clear now there's a lot of cases that are in flux, right? I mean, look, you have the Florida, I mean, the Florida case, which is going to be well after the election, okay, the documents case. You have the Georgia case, which is in the state of obviously flux right now, because of all that's going on there that has nothing to do with the case, that thing's not going to be, you know, tried for a long, long time. You have the D.C. case that's on hold now because there's issues of, you know, presidential immunity that are being decided by courts, higher courts. 
So, you know, the only one they have left really is this, you know, the, the New York case. And that's not a case that requires jail time, even upon conviction, which it shouldn't be. That's money. But it does re- require, I was told today, Joseph, that Trump has to be there. It's not like voluntary, like he's been showing up the last couple of weeks. He's got to be there every day. It's a criminal case. It's, it's yes, there's the, the defendant's appearance in a criminal case during trial is mandatory. It's not optional. I mean, you know, they're the guest of honor. So right, he's right. got to be there every single then, day. So how many times a week, I mean, uh, on, on a conservative side, how many times a week, how many weeks, how many months will Donald Trump have to be in a courtroom for this case? You know, I'd say probably six weeks straight. Oh, my God. Every day. Oh every day. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what Todd, Todd's, Todd's left his big, one of his big, you know, objections yesterday was it's right in the middle of primary season. This could be considered election interference, you know, it's in the middle of primary uh, but, season. But, right, you're right, but, but, but uh, here's where Trump is okay. Uh, last I checked, uh, he blew out Nikki Haley in the caucus in Iowa. He beat her by double digits in New Hampshire. She didn't even show up in the Nevada caucus in her own home state of South Carolina next Tuesday. He's up by 36 points. And Super Tuesday, which is the same week he starts the trial here in New York, in like five of those seven states, he's up by 70 points. So the pressure of the primary, you know, we thought last year, Joseph, that maybe Ron DeSantis would keep it close. Maybe Nikki Haley would keep it close. It's been over for months, for months. So the pressure of the primary, that's gone. That's, that's gone. And look, I'll be honest with you. He's done something that I don't, only he could do, which is make every court appearance, criminal, civil, whatever, a, a campaign stop. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> every court appearance is like people are like, yeah. oh, it's, you know, he's going to be off the campaign. So what are you talking about? He's going to be nationally <laughs> televised in every, every place in, in the country every day out of court saying what he thinks. I, uh, listen, I, I love Trump, so I never compare him to a guy like Manson because I love Trump. He knows that. Don and I become good friends. But when Manson was on trial, there was like thousands of people outside, even with OJ, you know what I'm saying? So Trump has become that guy, that rock star, sympathetic figure and, and every time he's there you're right he he actually goes up in the polls and the beauty too joe uh, what you just said if those other three trials some of those criminal trials really don't go until after he's elected can he just pardon himself or have these things thrown out all by himself yeah on two of them he can right the two which ones cases the federal cases the washington dc federal case regarding january 6th and the Florida, you know, classified documents case. Those are both federal cases in which the president has, you know, um, the reach, the jurisdiction, if you will, to, to you know, this order uh, investigation ended or cases dismissed. I mean, he'll order his Justice Department to do that. He could do that or he could pardon himself if it got to that point. Um, on the state cases, the president has no power to, to do anything. The only thing that will happen is the Georgia case is going to have to be on hold for four years because he is will be sitting in office and they're not going to try a case with sitting president on something unrelated. So, um, look, this is, this is working out for him and look for indictments. And if he manages to, you know, maneuver around all four and win the office, it's, it's a Herculean It's It'll be insane. Yeah. It'll be insane, but he is on the way to doing it. He really is. And there's no way anybody thought of it. I mean, let's be honest. We talked about this. If you add up all the indictments, from John Gotti, Pablo Escobar, and Dillinger, John Dillinger, and, and Al Capone, yeah. you equal Donald Trump. 
<laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. I mean, I think he said a record four indictments in one year. Yeah. I don't know any Is that even that. legal? Is that even legal? Sure, you would be indicted a hundred times as long as a hundred different jurisdictions want to indict you. But, you know. Hey, how does like, the, you know, the business thing, and this is, maybe this is, uh, in your realm, maybe not, but I'll give you how, how we're going to pair it to me. So when I got fired from WFAN back in 2005, I was living in this beautiful house, Joseph, in Tenafly, New Jersey. I loved it there. Oh, yeah. In fact, we painted, you remember, we painted the ceiling blue for Ava with the clouds. And so long story short, I lost my job. I wasn't allowed to work for like nine months because of my stupid contract. And I lost my house. So the bank took it, gave it to a very nice Korean couple, and I haven't been back since. If Trump uh, loses this appeal with um, with the New York case, 400 Wall Street, Trump Tower, what happens? They just, who takes it? The bank takes it? The, the state takes it? What happens? Is, is going to have to go into a receivership. Um, I mean, look, it's a complicated, complicated situation. Now, it's not about, look, taking, before you say taking it, I mean, he's going to have a judgment. There's going to be a number. How that judgment satisfied, if if it holds up, this is if it holds up. Um, well, you know, that's up to them. But, the, I, you know, he's just not going to be able to, I don't think the name Trump is going to be able to be on these buildings. I mean, that's, you know, that's. You have to take it down, right? You have to take it down. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's I mean I look it's to me it's unfathomable I don't think that's going to happen again because there's no one who made a complaint here look this is not a case where people are saying look he 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 lied to me he defrauded me I lost all this money no the bank was saying please thank you you know take our money because they made so much money here so it's 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 just it's absurd absurd that we're even having this discussion and at the end of the day i don't think anyone's losing and the trump side is losing sleep over this case because they know this is not even close no matter what happens today it's not even close to the last stop got it hey man you were uh just uh my phone is blowing up they're like oh this is so great thank takapina thank them because a lot of this stuff we see every second of every day but it really gets confusing there's like nine different things going on at once, and you just did an amazing job of breaking it all down. That's why you're the best attorney in the world, and I love you so much. Thank you, Joseph. All right, brother. Love you, too. That's a heck of a spot right there. My man, Joseph Takapina. That's as good as it gets. We'll take a short break. We'll get some uh, traffic now from Joe Nolan. We'll come back in just a couple of minutes. All right. Come on, baby. Come on, no. Come on.
Kid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. This is a great Jewish rapper. Now, he doesn't say in this song, like the one we played earlier, that he wishes Dua Lipa, Mia Khalifa, and Hadid were dead. But here is the great Matis Perfect song for your Shabbat Shalom Friday. You know, I just realized that I'm actually going to another Shabbos dinner tonight. I just realized it. <laughs> really? I'm so tired. Yeah. You need some scheduling issues. Uh, help. You know where I'm going, actually? Danielle set this one up. I had nothing to do with this. Nothing. But, um, Noam, you'll know this name. You know Zev Brenner? Yeah, of course. Zev Brenner's like a big Jewish broadcaster. No, Sid Rosenberg is like a big well, Jewish no, broadcaster. How dare you? No, no, you misunderstood me. I meant in the world of Jewish broadcasting. I feel shame. What am I? A Jewish all of a sudden? No, no. You mean orthodox, maybe Hasidic. Like you do regular broadcasting. He's in this Jewish broadcasting world. What do you mean by regular? Like, he's in the cool broadcast. (laughs) I think I'm going to his house. Or somewhere. I I don't know. He knows somebody. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal, Zev Brenner. No. He's a big deal? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, at least he's... So when I walk in his house tonight, he's the star? No. Uh, I mean, you're confusing me. I just don't don't get it. Uh, Gabe Rosenberg will be the star (laughs) when he goes to the house tonight. No, Sid wants to make sure he knows that when he walks in, everybody's going to flock to him. Right. I don't even want that. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I really am tired. Sure. You know, I've been on that uh, radio show with Zev. I had a call after Shabbos. It was like midnight on a Saturday night. But, I, uh, you know, I've been to um, Dove Hyken's house for Shabbos dinner. I've been to the shul we belong to, the West End Temple in Neponset, with uh, the great Rebecca Epstein. She's been here. The Shabbos dinner. Then when I was in Israel two weeks ago, I went to Alex Trayman's house, JNS, for Shabbos dinner. So I said to Danielle, I go, it's like you're renting me out for Shabbos dinner. So, and I love them all. They're all fun. They're all nice. And so tonight will be great, but tired too. This is the last one. Well, when you're not, when you're not uh, scheduled to go to one, you can start doing them at your house. Oh, that's true. That would be nice. We could all come over. No, right. what I want dinner. is... You could host a Shabbos dinner? Yeah. I want to get paid for these. <laughs> you can't. Okay. <laughs> a See, paid appearance What do you mean you can't? You can't. That's well, they have these no, things where, like uh, a... football players show up at kids' bar mitzvahs yeah. for 10000 a pop. That's not the point. It's it is the point. You're supposed to do it out of out of love for your religion. I'm sick of, of all this out of love nonsense. God. Uh, okay. No one does more stuff out of love than I do. That's why I'm broke. Everybody else does stuff for money. They're living great. Me, I do it because I love you and I'm broke. I think you could do it. We used to do sports night at the synagogue, I remember. They would invite, like, baseball players and people like Warner Wolf, and they'd get paid. They'd get paid. See them. Right. Yeah. So if I go to Zeb Brenner's house tonight, leave a check for five grand when I walk yeah. out. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> five grand. I'll, I'll do the hamotzi. I'll do the baropri hakupen. I'll, I'll do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> mm. 
I'll sing uh, Dayenu, even though it's not Passover. <laughs> right. yeah. I'll do what, whatever you want. I'll weep on the Torah. I don't know what any of that is, but it does sound expensive. That's for sure. <laughs> 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 Classic Fanny. This goes out to Fanny Willis. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I hate Fanny Willis. But I do love this song. She probably appreciates it. <laughs> you think so? Just got a text from Zeb Brenner. He said, uh, feel free to invite anybody else from the show that wants to come. So, congratulations, Justin. You'll be... I <laughs> I'm busy. No, you'll be on Lido Beach tonight I, doing the brushes. Listen, I appreciate you. Now he's got the lens. I am. Uh, oh, I told him they were coming. Busy. Well, he's excited. It literally takes longer to get out there yeah. than, than it does to take uh, to get right, from well, here to Israel. 
<laughs> That's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I told him you were coming. No, no, so. no, 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 no. Oh, no. So who are we waiting for now? Oh, Josh, you're being <laughs> So now, so actually, now every time the West End, like, Republican Club reaches out to me or something, I'm just Oh, my I'm poor Marsha, I know. I feel horrible. I'm just going to tell him you're going, and then, without even asking you. She's such a, by the way, she's such a nice she's lady, Marsha. Sweetheart. And I uh, went once, and it was great. She yeah. was she was very nice. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I don't live close to that. No, no, it's not easy for you. Right. You know? <laughs> Far away. And, I mean, there's a real price to pay monetarily for... Well, they don't pay either. Don't even pay for the car to get there. Well, that, that you should get paid. That. Maybe they did. I don't remember, but I just don't care. Maybe they did. <laughs> so what are you doing this weekend, Josh? Anything fun? Uh, yeah. Where's Shabbos? Yeah. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm, I'm doing 28-year-old things. It's not none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Which means it, it can't be good. Is what I'm, yeah. I'm doing 28-year-old well, what, what does this hat mean? Like wilding? What are you doing? So what I just did was I rewound the tape for me. Almost 30 years, which makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> when I was 28, and um, I was in rehab and jail that year. Well, so. hopefully it doesn't get to that point. That was last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's different. Everybody's 28. Is different. I mean, <laughs> Dustin's saving his best supper for the final minute of the week. <laughs> the hell was this the rest of the week? I'm, I'm going to do 28-year-old things. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. All right, we're done. Dustin, have a good time, whatever that 20-year-old stuff is. I will. Lou, great job. Know him late. Hope you're at work next week. This is the best cast in the history of radio, folks.